Now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Set your phasers to stun, your summer screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys with Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. <laughs> If you live in Cleveland and don't know that noise, you're a sinner. <laughs> Welcome to Geeky Gals and Guys. We are the 3G5. Uh, Kenny reporting for duty. Susan, hello. Hello. Curtis, hola. Good evening, everybody. And Michelle, hello. Hey. And Miles. Hey. Hi. Hi there. So, all right, everyone, uh, we're, we're going to have some fun on the program tonight. We've got a lot of different topics to cover. Uh, more Jack Kirby stuff coming. I'm very excited about this. Um, and, of course, uh, we, we just have a, a blast, uh, a, a veritable potpourri of topics for you tonight. And, uh, yeah, so I started off, I, we were talking about this last night. I was on Facebook, and one of my Cleveland friends made a post, uh, my good friend Johnny, and um, he he posted a picture, and I was like, "Dude, you got to let me screen cap this and share it, it just because I, I just loved it so much that it, because it's something that I know about, Susan knows about, Curtis knows about, and you don't even necessarily have to be from Cleveland; you just have to kind of be from, you know, mm, I guess anywhere from southeastern Ohio to." Uh, northeastern Ohio, like the, half of the state knows about Big Chuck right. and Little John. Uh, possibly even some people in Columbus. I know if Kat's listening, she knows who Big Chuck and Little John are. But um, yeah, and he he posted if you know if you're from Cleveland, you definitely know these two guys. And he posted a picture of uh, John Rinaldi and uh, Chuck. What's Chuck's last name? Uh, Shadowski. Shadowski. Yeah. And it, basically, Miles and Michelle for people who aren't uh, Ohioans. These guys have been everywhere for decades in our town on, on on television. They, you know, well the I don't know if you remember the show I did Michelle a while back about the big balloon release, the record breaking balloon release in Cleveland, Ohio, that turned into an absolute ecological disaster. It sounds familiar. Well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, little little John. Uh, yeah, oh, there you go. Okay, so there's uh, you've got the uh, um, the picture there, Curtis. With uh, was that with both of them? Well, it, it it's just me and Big Chuck, but I did meet both of them. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, very good. So yeah, so but yeah, little little John uh, though he's uh, <laughs> I just love this Cleveland home of the home of the home of the. Yeah, <laughs> trying to. <laughs> it's such a classic clip. He was getting to say "Rock and Roll Hall of Fame," uh, and of course. Uh, but anyway, that was during the balloon release event. But yeah, really cool guys. I know uh, 
uh, John Rinaldi's son. Uh, too, we're we're oh, Facebook really? friends. Yeah. So. Yeah, Susan, you went to school with him? Yeah, yeah, he was nice. around. Yeah, he dated so one of my friends for five seconds. Very cool guy. And uh, and so this post got a lot of love, so I was like, well, let's talk about Big Chuck and Little John. So essentially, everybody probably has, hopefully they have some kind of a local equivalent of Big Chuck and Little John. You know, Pittsburgh for the longest time had uh, Bill Cardill, Chili Billy Cardilly, of course. He was in, uh, he was the newscaster in the original uh, Night of the Living Dead and a, a horror show host for Chiller Theater. Uh, not this, not no relation to the other Chiller Theater. Um, and you know, uh, uh, but everybody has like you know, we had Superhost, uh, of course, for the longest time, and Goulardi, the Ghoul. We have a really cool, rich history of of awesome local celebrities on television. For a and, short time here in in West Palm, we had Doctor Nausea. Oh, ooh. <laughs> and uh, I actually went to a a, a uh, Halloween party of his. I won tickets. My sister and I went. Um, I think we were in, I think I was in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Or maybe eighth. I wouldn't know. And it was, I was, uh, we were young, but we, we had a blast. So, so yeah, and the, but basically, Big Chuck and Little John, they 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 would set up like you know the Abbott and Costello movies, some monster movies, and you know they've got the the big ridiculous King Kong sign behind them every time that has holding the banner. It's in you can see it behind Curtis there, uh, in the in the picture that he shared. Um, but yeah, they've got the the big King Kong sign and everything, and and they always did sketches on their shows that were just like. Cringy dad jokey, um, uh, and and you know, and honestly, uh, they kind of started. They were one of the first. Susan pointed out uh, last night. What did you say, Susan? Do you remember? About in the, the in the seventies, for for those of you that didn't live through it, you're lucky. God bless you. Um, there were lots <laughs> of racial jokes. One of them was like Polish jokes, and so they would. You know, people would tell you about basically this joke about, oh, this person was stupid. You know, they were Polish. They would do a joke about Stosh from Parma. That was like making it not so racist, but it was <clears throat> racial. But it was just yeah. like they would always say you know, a certain ethnic. They, yeah, they would never a, act a certain say, certain ethnicity. Yeah, yeah certain there, ethnicity. there's a fair contingency of Polish uh, settlers in in Cleveland or across the Northeast Ohio, so it was yeah. felt like they were making fun of themselves. Like it's okay if we say it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. And I, I think uh, uh, Chuck Sadowski might be Polish. That might yeah, be. oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So and they would they would say things about Parma, which is area just south of us, which is you know a, a high has a high level of people that it's are kind of Polish. the Pittsburgh of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Just just a um, quick question. Does yeah. anyone know why un, it isn't totally unfair, but does anyone know why the Pola the Polish people are I don't know if Polak is actually the correct well no, are targeted at, for, for these for, for jokes of being stupid. I don't know. No idea. I I don't I understand. Do. And it's going to be in my segment. I'll add it to the segment as to why. All right. It's, All right. it's a great story. It's, it's Tune just, in, true believers. It's it's just one of these things that's like, it's the greatest generation. Like, people talk about the greatest generation. Like, oh, wow, they were so wonderful. It's like, and they were racist as heck. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that greatest generation stick. I, yeah. I am. Uh, I. We're talking about the generation that sat on their hands as the world burned right up and until we got our their teeth kicked in in Pearl Harbor. That well, the, the let's all right, generation. all right. Let's not. Uh, I don't want to do this uh, <laughs> at all. I don't want to get too far off, but yeah, uh, this isn't. This isn't. This isn't. Yeah, this, we actually. It's not what this is about. I know. You're talking. Hello. We actually uh, knew these people. Yeah, well, Big yeah, Chuck so. and Little John. Big Chuck and Little John. They they uh, and and they told like they they were a little more PC, I'd say. They were a little less offensive. Yeah, that was that was kind of the thing. They they you know because there were other shows before that. I think uh, was it uh, what was it called? It was Hulahan. Big Chuck uh, and Hulahan. Big Chuck and Hulahan. Yeah. Uh, it, that was up until 1979 when John Rinaldi joined the show. Okay. Uh, it, it was Big Chuck and Houlihan. And before him, they uh, Chuck actually worked on uh, Gullardi's show, who yeah. really kicked off the whole shock theater thing. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're legendary yeah. uh, working there at Channel 8. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and the 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 thing is, um, again, the uh, this this laugh here. <laughs> they didn't have canned laughter. They didn't have any other laughter for at the end of their sketches. It was just <laughs> that every time, and it worked. I, and again, I don't know who did that laugh. I might have to look look up some history, but I found just an, an example for you guys. Okay, safe ter safe territory. Mother in law jokes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, 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 here is uh, this is uh, Big Chuck and Little John, and uh, Little John is on the beach some fine afternoon with a metal detector and comes across a magic lamp. Genie. You mean I get three wishes? Yes, but there is a catch. Who do you dislike most on earth? Ha! No problem. My mother-in-law. For releasing me, you shall be given three wishes, but whatever you wish for shall be given twofold to the person you dislike the most, your mother-in-law. You mean whatever I get, she gets twice as much? That's the dumbest rule I ever heard of. She should never! Look, look, I don't make the rules. I just grant wishes. That really bugs me. She shouldn't get anything. Nor will you then. Back in the lamp I go. Okay, okay, come back, come back. That, that's a deal. Your first wish then. Hmm. I wish for a white limousine with my own driver. So be it. Wow! And at this very moment, two white limousines and chauffeurs are in your mother-in-law's driveway. What? doesn't deserve a Yugo. She's a devil herself. No, no, no. What is your second wish? Hmm. I would like a million dollars cash. Stand by. Wow! A million bucks in cash. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. 
Not to forget, at this very moment, your mother-in-law had $2 million appear in her living room. $2 million? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Why should she get twice as much as me? Rules are rules. What is your third wish? Come on, come on, what is your third wish? Here, I want you to beat me half to death. <laughs> Every time with the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I found out who did the voice uh, of the laugh, and it was a, a local. Uh, uh, it was a local. Uh, oh, hang on. Um, his name was Jay Lawrence, an actor, and um, he was a disc jockey on KYW, uh, which is now WTAM. Uh, out of Cleveland, and interestingly enough, he was born. Um, uh, he died a, a back in 1987, sadly. But um, Jay Lawrence was born Jay Storch. He's the brother of Larry Storch. Oh wow! From F Troop. Uh yeah. Oh, wow. Larry Storch that? from F Troop, and he also did that. We- he was in that wacky um, Ghostbusters live action show. From right. the 70s. Um, that it, it, it was by Filmation or something like that. It was yeah. a ridiculous show, but it was called Ghostbusters before there was a Ghostbusters movie. And there was like a whole bunch of legal uh, gubbins around that. So, um, But yeah, so, so that's the laugh. The uh, uh, <laughs> Jay Lawrence. Um, Actually, when I met Big Chuck, I told him, I said, my whole week when I was a little kid hinged on being able to stay up so I could watch your show. And then there were some weeks was, I was a terrible student and kind of a problem child. Uh, it would get taken away, so I wasn't supposed to watch, but I would sneak down and turn the program on, like, low. Mm-hmm. And, man, you're right, those skits, were they were dead on. And it, it had that punch at the end with the laugh. And I would always give me away because I would crack up laughing. My mom would come in and I told Big Chuck, I said, you know how humiliating it is to take an ass whooping to that guy laughing on your TV? There you go. (laughs) 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 Good times. But if you look at that picture, you can see my eyes welled up with tears. Like It it was a big big moment for me to meet that guy. He was was one of my heroes. Absolutely. I always wanted to see the show, like sit in the audience and see the mm-hmm. show. The pajama party at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they always did Brad. ridiculous things like the pizza eating contests and stuff like that. And uh, I think w- one of the last <laughs> ones I saw, they made a man compete against a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that hope that dog's stomach could handle that cheap. Uh, I, I What was it? Probably pizza oven pizza that they fed him, yeah. Suze? So I still to this day, I think the funniest skit they ever did, which it's hard to pick one, but they would do a takeoff of an old doctor show called Ben Casey and they called it Ben crazy. Yeah. 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 So they tune in and you don't get to see through the door. You just hear little John yelling and you hear big Chuck is is, uh, Ben crazy going now just Rinaldi, Mr. Mr. Rinaldi, you just hold still. We'll, we'll have you fixed here in a second. He's just going, Oh no, no. Ah, and they, uh, they, they go, okay, almost there, and all right. And they cut to Big Chuck, and uh, you see little John. He's just relieved, like, whoo. And he's standing behind him holding a sailboat, and he's like, 
You know, Mr. Rinaldi, you got kids. You really should look in the tub before you jump in. <laughs> and Cue of that course, laughter. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. That, that's a good laugh. Michelle can tell you about the times when I start to get the giggle. <laughs> I'm crying. It's just my stomach's cramping. Oh yeah. <laughs> It happens to me every once in a while. Something will something will just get me, and I just can't stop. There's been some gifs uh, and memes lately that have just like, you know, I, I just uncontrollable laughter. Uh, so, uh, and we need things like that in these times. But yeah, so that's that's something fun to check out. Big Chuck and Little John, uh, little slice of Cleveland uh, sent down to you guys there, and and uh, Paul is familiar. Uh, with uh, some of this uh, stuff. He says, a Goulardi successor, the ghoul, Ron Swede, was big in Boston on WSBK, so he knows some of the history of this, too. Uh, he says, I did a small small homage to him on my show when he passed on April Fool's Day last year. Um, yeah, so I, I got to meet uh, Ron Swede a couple times. Our dear friend, dear dearly departed friend, uh, Eddie Willie, <laughs> who ran the coolest video store on the planet, Beware Video in Lakewood, Ohio. Wait a minute. You you know Ed Weirdo? Uh, Ed Ed Willie, uh, he passed yeah, away. He, he, played, he, he played Froggy. Wasn't he the one he did? Yeah, he played Froggy, and yeah. they would yeah, do a Frankenstein skit, and he played the Frank online. Yeah. And he would answer questions. It was hilarious. Yeah, That's cool. yeah. He, no, he was he was a, a just a sweet sweet guy. He got cancer about oh gosh, I, th- I think it was like twelve years ago in past. Wow, Ed did. So yeah, oh yeah. man, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I, I was wondering what became of him. As I thought he was really really talented. He was one of the funnier parts of the band Star. too. He had his own band and yeah, he was in wow. Uncle Scratch. Uh, Uncle Scratch's Gospel Revival, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great name. Two man band, two man uh, kind of comedy rockabilly outfit. Um, but yeah, they owned uh, Beware Video in Lakewood, Ohio. Michelle, I've talked to you about this before. They used to have sections for uh, for David Lynch and Ed Wood, and you know they had stacks of Vincent Price and Karloff and Lagosi. Everything. Go there on a weekly basis and just get some yeah. movies. Those were in the days of VHS and hunker down. Well, and they, 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 they tried to switch over to, to DVD, but Netflix basically killed them. So. Yeah. Damn you. No, he was dressed up as, uh, as the, the froggy in the yeah. froggy suit. This didn't happen a lot, but there was a, a kid that was hitting him. You oh, know, you're, this is a good you're one. A, <laughs> you're in a, you know, a big costume and you can't hit the kid back. And he and he was hit. The kid was hitting him. And oh he no! It was down. it was a little bit more than that. He was calling him. He was calling the f word for gays, uh, oh. and and yeah. her, totally yeah. totally harassing him, you know, and kicking him and stuff like that. And then, of course, Susan, you tell you tell him what uh, what yeah. Froggy to Froggy told the kid. This was before this was you know before he had kids of his own, a kid of his own. But he leaned down to the kid and he said. You know what? I'm gonna go in the back, and I'm gonna change out of this costume. And when I come back, I'll know just who you are. You won't know who I am. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Get out of the kid, yeah. So. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so uh so yeah that that was that was pretty funny i thought that was like <laughs> i know exactly thing. what you look like and you have no, no idea also <laughs> he was at the mall one day <laughs> this was around 2000 or something and he was at the mall and he was like i just i think i lost my mind because i saw this kid and his pants were hanging way down like this guy his hand, pants were hanging way down from where it should be i just went up to him and i grabbed him by the pants and just hiked him up and i don't even know why i did it and he so said everybody like, else in the mall applauded him <laughs> this was like in 2000 when everybody was wearing their pants like way too low and the, and the teenagers like you know people my age were like 30 and we're like okay i don't get it i don't get the kid you know like i don't get these kids today but, um it Back in my day I, like, I don't know what i did i just grabbed him by the pants and pulled him up everybody was applauding <laughs> in the mall yeah. it was he weird. just always had he always had some kind of crazy hysterical story oh, so God. but yeah the, the the that that's just you know that just an absolute legend we have um what is it son of ghoul now who kind of still is yep. active and his stuff Kevin is Kevin Scarpino is actually a really, really excellent guitarist. He's been around for a while. I can't think of any of the bands uh, he's in, but yeah. I, I, I tried to like what he did, but I just found it uh, just wildly unfunny. Yeah. Um, because every time they did this thing in the movies, and I, I'm not, you know, it's like I'm cool if you want to do something funny in the movies, whatever. But every time somebody took a drink, they would put a belch over them drinking. Not like after they would take a drink. And I was like, that, that doesn't make sense. People don't belch when they drink. They belch after they drink. Um, but but yeah, so it was just little things like that. But um but yeah, so you know, this it's it's a but yeah, big Chuck and Little John, nice slice of uh Cleveland uh in northeastern Ohio Cleveland. history. Cleveland. And, yeah. And again, you know, I, you know, growing up in, uh, you know, in Columbiana County in Ohio, I, you know, we, we all knew who they were too. So, um, you know, we, we had the best of both worlds. We had Pittsburgh and Cleveland TV when the weather, when the weather conditions allowed. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. You know, rabbit ears. And then dad had a big antenna installed up in the, up in the attic too. So, uh, go up there and. You know, it's the first thing we did in 2003 when we got in this house. We ripped down the big antenna that mm-hmm. was in the attic. That antenna was the entire attic. Remember that? Honey? Oh God, it yeah, like, it was crazy. It was inside the the house. Yeah, it was in the attic. Yeah, so <laughs> it was. Yeah, I uh, remember the antenna I used to have so I could watch Spengooly. Uh Unfortunately, Loki chewed apart the cable that led to it. <laughs> Oh, oh Loki! Bad, little bad kitty, I want to kiss that kitty. Well, is is there even? So, I mean, is there? Are there even still FM broadcasts uh, of television channels that you can pick yeah, up? We can get me, we. Um, we can get some of the local stations. Yeah, they still have that. They still have. They still have broadcasts that go over the air that you can pick up by antenna. They're digital. Oh, are they on, by antenna? I thought they were all digital now. Yeah, no. it's a digital antenna. Okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. 
and I could I could get um I could get like thirty stations. Okay. Of course, a, a quarter of them were Hispanic or religious, but. <laughs> but yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, I think uh, uh, I'm sure uh, Living or Trojan Rabbit can uh, tell me with uh, with their backgrounds, but I think. Um, up until they they did away with and, and started doing digital broadcasts, FM was the carrier for television um, signals. So that's why you you can um, uh, you can actually use the FM band on shortwave radios and stuff like that. To you could listen to old television. Uh, you know, you could listen to television on the radio, TV on the radio. That's a band. They're okay. Um, so, but, um yeah go before ken and um i'm gonna throw you here your ball before gulardi wasn't there a robert the beatnik or something like that mm. i'm trying to know about that but i i do know that it was very quickly gulardi was very quickly thrown together and yeah. i know that ernie anderson who played him wasn't really into it he was more or less embarrassed that he had to do it yeah, name was Ernie Anderson. I think I've seen. Yeah, something. Ernie Anderson. You actually know that guy if you like. He did a lot of voiceover work in the eighties. Like when you would see the there was the Love Boat, and you that was Ernie Anderson, uh, whose Love son is Paul boy. Thomas Anderson, who's made Magnolia and Boogie Nights and Hard Eight. Great, great movies. Mm. Also, There Will Be Blood. Mm. Oh. oh, the only one of his movies I'll watch twice. Uh, <laughs> just because I'm sorry, Boogie Nights and and Magnolia are both both very disturbing movies to me. Yeah, no, they, so they're legitimately haunting. Yeah, yeah, Magnolia especially. Oh dear lord. Um, but uh, but yeah, so, uh, huh? Is it about the? Uh, I think just terrible, terrible people for the most part. Uh, well, Magnolia, there's like. There one sequence, and it's not even the worst, but like, for whatever reason, at the end of this movie of loosely connected tales of kind of awful people, uh, William H Macy is uh, a, a child celebrity grown up that it went sideways, and he's trying to rob this place, and it rains frogs. For whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not making this up. Movie culminates in a freak storm that. Uh, like a frog nado and this he takes a frog in the face at 50 knots and it completely Lord. blasts him so that alone is i don't want to see that again no yeah. thank you <laughs> and then what what is it what's the other one that's kind of along those lines what was it life is beautiful is that what it was it was a horrible oh, movie like, Life is beautiful is about um that's the holocaust death camp yeah that's the funny death camp basically no, i'm sorry it's the I'm, successful it's a... version of the day the clown cried no 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 i'm sorry i got the wrong name for it i'll figure out what it is uh it, it had uh oh god what's 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 his name the oh the actor who was in um the master who passed away what's his name the blonde guy the it was based on the scientology movement kind of Oh, Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour, yeah, you got three names like a assassin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, no, there was another movie along those lines that he was in, and it it had a very kind of innocuous 
title. Oh, and happiness! Happiness. That's Ooh. what it is. Yeah, that was. Awful. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. Sure, I I got Cheryl Good in in an altered state, and we watched that, which is. I don't know if that helped or made it worse. Oh, I think it would make it worse. We could not move from the couch, and we were locked in, being like forced to watch it. It was it was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, believe it. That movie. I forget what happiness was about, but I I know that I don't want to know. And I was like, this is one of those movies you watch once and then it's over. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, another movie about horrible people. And then American Beauty. Throw that one in there, too. Jesus God. Uh, It's probably an extra punch to it now because of what we learned about Kevin Spacey. Like That's got to be way worse Uh, to watch that now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. uh, That concludes this segment. Yeah. So, (laughs) oh, yeah. Jerry Lewis and Gigi. Oh dear God. Oh, not Jerry. Not Jerry Lewis. Uh, not Jerry Lewis. Uh, uh, uh. Oh God. How did I screw that up? Mickey Rooney. Oh, Mickey Rooney. Oh, and Oh yeah, Brett. Uh, see, I'm just all over the map. Anyway. All right. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back with more geeky gals, guys. Right after this.
Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Paul's Memory Bank. This is Paul B., and I'd like to invite you to my show every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Radio for Humans. I'll present classic Golden Age Superman radio adventures and hand-picked old-time radio comedy episodes. Out of these clothes... Superman's turn now. Right now, I've got three times as many muscles as anybody else in the world. <laughs> and every one of them has a toothache. How do you manage to get into all this trouble? Oh, I don't know. I guess I just know the right people. <laughs> You'll be on the edge of your seat and laughing your head off all at once. Paul's Memory Bank. Only on Radio for Humans. Radioforhumans.com. Hi, everybody. This is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Oh, the humanity. Radioforhumans.com. jammed in here real good. Oh, got so much jammed in here real good. <laughs> All right. Hello, little friends. Welcome back. The Suze. Hello. Ooh. And Curtis once again. Hey, everybody. And the Halloween decorations are going up at the compound. Oh, nice. I approve. Oh. I approve. I'm it's sure Michelle time. does, too. Do you there are people Michelle? that tell you it's too early, but those people are bad, and you should avoid them. Yeah, I think well, Mich- Michelle probably approves. Yes, yes, I I would love to put my Halloween decorations up right now, but we have Florida weather, and who knows when next hurricane's gonna come by? So true, true. Yeah, we kind of start putting them up in the middle of October just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I'm not that even sure we're gonna do Halloween this year. Yeah, well, uh, trick or treat, probably not, huh? Yeah, because of the COVID yeah. and all that. Yeah. 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 So, 
And of course, uh, Miles. Miles, are, are, are we going to do some news? Or is that where we're going to? Is that where we're going? Let, we uh, well, can do it, that. It's. A, I mean, if you have some quick news and then you want to talk about a battle, uh, it's. Uh, I've got. A, I'd like to do. I'd like really? to do. First, I'll do the uh, the 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 the, 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 the reason for the Polak uh, the Polak jokes. Oh, there you go. There you go. And then I'll do the uh, the little story of the um, pot, uh, military story, and then I'll just start filling up my segment full of news that I consider okay there you positive go. until I run out of time. And oh well, <laughs> and the band okay. will play you out. Fair enough. Uh, we're gonna come. Oh, the, oh, all right. So. Um, it was mentioned that yes, there were Polish jokes that insult uh, the intelligence of Polacks. You know, Polish people. Polish, the Polish people is why. So why did this string of jokes happen? As it turns out, racism happened. Why? Why? It it happened uh, starting back uh, right after World War Two. So uh, Germany, being the you know dick that it was invaded Poland. That's what kicked this all off. And when Germany did this, it took over the industry as, you know, fascist governments do, of that of the Polish country, and turned it over to help with the German war machine in producing munitions, bombs, what have you. So, when the German Luftwaffe started dropping bombs on London, you know, the uh, the Battle of Britain, and, and just repeatedly just, you know, trying to pummel that island nation into submission as they came very close to doing. There, there were certain bombs that would get dropped on, uh, on the English that did not detonate. And so these unexploded bombs, they were just, you know, half embedded in the ground or wherever they were found, you know, they had to be dealt with. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, this is a problem, blah, blah, blah. So the bomb disposal unit people would come out to, uh, you know, diffuse the bomb, and they very carefully are, you know, taking the bomb apart, accessing the panels to access the fuse, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And inside these unexploded bombs, occasionally they would see a message constructed by your friends in Poland. The Polish workers were sabotaging the German war machine oh, by wow. making bombs that would not explode. Yay. And as a big thank you to the Polish people, English-speaking countries said, man, these Polacks are so stupid, they can't even make a bomb explode. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a fine so how do you do. That's a fine how do you do, exactly. So it's a, it's, a, it's a thankless job. I mean, thank you to the Polish people that risked their lives because had they been caught performing this sabotage, they would have been executed, you know. Oh, absolutely. German, Germans at that time period were not known to be really nice. No, no. not typically not, no. So <laughs> there you go. So we People forget hear... they were a part of the greatest generation, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Cue the so... lander, Kenny. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Big Chuck and Little John. All right. So the uh, so when you hear a Pollock joke about you know having to do with the uh, person's intelligence, know that that 
is the All reason right. out where it came comes from. Wow, so where is this other? I know it's sort of yeah. You you, you kind of like well you know um, other countries like for example I think um, the the Polacks have the same sort of you know stupid joke about East Germans and the East Germans for them or for the Germans it's Russians you know it's just yeah, like it's it's it's, it's, it's a yeah it's Polish it's Polish. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it, like for I think for the Germans, it's like you know, why do the Russians tilt their heads to the side and when they talk to you? Okay. It's so enough for their brain cells gather together to form a coherent thought. You know, oh. that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. Get the, the <laughs> Jeez. That's a that is a ten second laugh. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> All right. So this story I want to uh, share is uh, World War II as well, and it deals with an, a United States pilot that became a double ace. To become an ace, you have to shoot down five aircraft, enemy okay. aircraft. You know that is what makes you an ace. And this guy became a double ace. And his tenth kill, his tenth shootdown, was an American cargo plane. Wow! I'm gonna just let that sink in a little bit. Just That's, like what? I know that, that, you hear that and you're like, what? <laughs> what? So earlier in the war, this um, his name is Kurds, C U R D E S, Edward Kurds, and I don't see his rank, but oh, anyway. He was a pilot over in the uh, European theater of war where he is credited with shooting down seven German pilots. Uh, so he already became an ace uh, doing uh, just, just fighting Germans. And then as the it, uh, war progressed, he engaged and shot down an Italian and that was his eighth kill. Okay. Now at this point in the war, he himself got shot down and was taken prisoner by the Italian army and was in the um, in an Italian uh, prisoner of war camp where uh, but at this point he, the the Italians were very very close to surrendering they gave up before the Germans did long before the Germans did and so the Italian army just pretty much said bye and they left. They left all these prisoner of war camps unguarded. And so these <laughs> these you know, prisoners of war fled. They left to try and make it back to uh, American or uh, British lines in, in Italy before the German uh, forces could uh, sweep into you know Italy and re you know take over the prisoner of war camps or what have you. Yeah. So he escaped this Italian prisoner of war camp and made it back. So... Things go as they do in uh, the European theater, and he is then transferred over to the Pacific theater, where he um, is issued a P-51 Mustang. And that is a badass plane. That thing is like a monster. Six uh, 50 caliber machine guns in its wings. Uh, wow. And yeah, it, it, it was one of the turning points in the war because uh, the, the previous planes didn't do well against uh, the, the Zero, but that one, that's, that's a good one. Anyway, so... Here he is. He shoots down a Japanese plane. That uh, that becomes his ninth kill. Mm -hmm. So he and another pilot 
are flying over an island, and I lost track of that as well. But his um, his his wingman gets shot down. They they were strafing, I think, a um, a base that was held by the Japanese, attacking the uh, air defenses and hit, shooting planes on the ground, which don't count as kills. But yeah, you want to damage the enemy uh, war machine as much as possible. So his wingman gets damaged and. Um, he has to ditch in the ocean off uh, off the coast. So shortly after that happens, he's flying along and he spots an American cargo plane coming in to land at this Japanese-held island. And he tries to raise them up on radio. Turns out the cargo plane's radio is out. <laughs> oh. So... So this is the situation. He he. At first, he thought it was like you know a Japanese, you know, plane that uh, was you know, or maybe it was an American run by Japanese. But no, he determined these were real Americans, and they, uh, due to some misunderstanding, thought they were going into an American-held base, which is what was happening. And so he's like, "Oh crap! I've got a plane full of Americans, and they're heading t into." So he. He had he had to make this call, and he made <laughs> the right call. So he lines up his plane. You know, he he flies in front of them, trying to dissuade them from landing. Nothing he does works. So finally, he has to line up his airplane behind the cargo plane, pull his <laughs> fire those fifty cows into the cargo plane's engines carefully because he doesn't want to hit yeah. the cargo where the p passengers are. So. He shoots, he shoots and knocks out one engine, swings over to the other side, shoots, knocks out the other engine, and this plane now ditches without power. You know, he, uh, mm -hmm. it ditches into the ocean. The pilot manages to safely land it into the ocean. And he um, flies over them, giving these people cover, you know, to make sure they're okay, you know, until it reaches the point where he has to return because he's low on fuel. Yeah. So, as it turns out, the people that uh, were on that plane had, you know, um, uh, rafts, you know, uh, cargo, uh, inflatable rafts for it, it, just in case you have to ditch in the uh, ocean. And so all these uh, people get out and get onto the raft and they rescue also the uh, wingman that was also his wingman that was shot down. Oh, my God. And so now they have to wait overnight in the water. And then during the daylight, he comes back escorting a Catalina seaplane to where they were. And the Catalina seaplane is, is, is an amphibious plane. It, it's able to land on the water. And it lands and rescues the, all of them, the, 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 the people of the um, uh, cargo plane as well as his wingman, and flies them all back. And he is credited. That he is. It's funny to see the plane. It's got you know how on a uh, when you when you get a kill like when you kill shoot down a Nazi and they 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 put the German flag on your plane mm -hmm. to indicate that you killed. There is a, a, a by all the seven Germans, an Italian and a Japanese flag. He's got an American flag, and he was credited <laughs> with shooting down an American plane and becoming a double ace. Nice. So. That's as as cool as that is. The story's even better. 
because it turns out that when but before he went on this flight this happened on february 10th he went to one of these um dance halls where you know the the gis would meet up with you know nurses or sure you know the the ladies of the uh, armed forces and he had danced with a nurse that was a movie star she was of russian descent i can't remember her name for the life of me but uh he danced with her and you know hit it off pretty well and it turns out that she was on that cargo plane wow yeah wow indeed and um, apparently she didn't hold it against him because they got married. <laughs> uh, what was this and, guy's uh, name again? Uh, Curtis, C-U-R-D-E-S. Nice. Um, Edward, I think it's Edward Curtis. I, I might be able to do a quick Google search. Uh, does this make you want to look him up or something? Yeah, exactly. There is a face. <laughs> there is a YouTube video of it. That is more entertaining to watch. It will basically, but let me find it for you. It is called This U.S. Pilot Shot Down an American Plane and Got the Kill, comma, Why. And it's uh, it's made by Simple History. It's a cartoon, basically, mm -hmm. showing, uh, you know, depicting what happens. It's an entertaining watch. It's only 10 minutes long, but uh, it tells you the story in more detail. It'll give you names and all that stuff. So, yeah, so, uh, his wife was Svetlana Valeria uh, Shostakovich Brownwell. <laughs> okay. I got the Brownwell part okay. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, that's uh, this guy. Yeah, it's an amazing story. There's when, when in wartime, all kinds of crazy things can happen. So I'm looking I, at his, his kills right now. I see the U.S. flag right there on his, on his uh, fighter. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's got to be something. And it, uh, as far as kills goes, it, it reminds me of the other uh, story. Eventually, I'll tell one day. It's about a United States submarine that, it, on its kill flag, has a train. Yeah. A choo-choo train. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good story too. He, yeah. He, it, so uh, he's sitting in his P fifty one D. Bad Angel is the name of the plane. <laughs> so, all right. So, some uh, some of the good news things that I I pull up. Oh, okay. Um, so what what do you? I doing? know. Oh, oh, here we go. Good evening. For yeah. parts of North America, the Why is that so quiet? Of darkness ruled in daylight. Oh nope, boy. Nope. That is quiet. I take bad news badly. I don't want to hear any bad news. Good news, everyone. Yep, 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 yep. Ah, thanks. I needed that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that's so quiet. I don't know why that's. Uh, I'll fix. I'll fix it later. All right, there you go. So I know polls aren't things to be relied upon, but I do enjoy them. They make me feel a little warm and fuzzy on the inside because, I mean, <laughs> yes, I know, 2016 showed us, you know, but, but actually, 2016, the polls were accurate. You know, it was only by the slimmest of margins and a lot of, you know, cheating. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it, it was squeaked out by 70,000 votes over three states. Yeah. So, why history won't repeat itself? Uh, the polls are just as bad, if not... They're more 
bad. More worse? Worser? Worser. Yes. Worser. And uh, they were in 2016 for, for, uh, for Trump. And the one, I, the, the one I like to look at, it's on the 538, which is the poll master, you know, the Nate Silver guy. Yep. And he has the squiggly line poll, and I, I enjoy looking at it. And it shows every state on the squiggly line, and it's a, it, it starts off blue or starts off red and shades to blue. Basically, and it shows the right through the squiggly line is the 270 electoral votes necessary to win. And currently, the state that is the flipping state, the one that will win it for the Democrats is Pennsylvania. Yay! So, yay, go Pennsylvania! You know, just and ahead of them is Florida and Arizona. So if Pennsylvania doesn't do it, Florida could. And if Florida and Pennsylvania don't do it, Arizona could. It's that tight. It's that close. Mm -hmm. So we've got a little breathing space there. So that 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 makes that gives me the woman fuzzy. I like I like that. Anyway. Oh, for sure. Florida. Woo. We just had there is a sheriff. Do I have his name? Sheriff Daryl Daniels. This guy made national news. He is the sheriff of Clay County. You may have heard him when he's made national news by saying that he was going to deputize gun owners in his county to um, take on the Black Lives Matter movement. And this guy is an African-American himself, which is interesting. Uh, well, not. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show you that race sometimes isn't the issue. It's about power. And when, you know, you, you, you have a badge and you get that thing of power, it just really yeah. works the way you think. Anyway, so Sheriff, Check out the Stanford Prison Experiment for further uh, uh, evidence. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so, uh, anyway, Clay County Sheriff Daryl Daniels has been arrested and charged because of a sex scandal. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Oh, that laughed. Uh, so this pro-Trump uh, anti-Black Lives Matter sheriff is now under arrest, and uh, for it has to do with his mistress. And you, know, you can look up the um, the article; it's easy to find. Clay County Sheriff, you know, <laughs> arrested, tampering with evidence. Yeah, he 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 screwed up, and now yeah, he's he's saying it's all shenanigans from. Politics, whatever. Oh, of course. All these criminals always say it's a conspiracy manufactured by their political opponents yeah. when they get yeah. caught. There's a, 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 a on along the same lines. That was that real, Curtis? Did you move your mic down south? <laughs> <laughs> I just blew a raspberry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounded pretty okay. real. So real um, quick, my last two are about judges. Well, just real quick, just to dovetail off of what you were saying, Miles, uh, an Infowars okay. uh, 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 correspondent here in Ohio, around the Parma area, not Parma area, Ravenna area, Kent Ravenna, uh, she and her husband were just arrested for like burglary, domestic violence, tampering with evidence, destroying documents, stuff like that. And she put out a video saying... It's a conspiracy against me because I was about to put it put I put out a QAnon video or something. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Miles. Wow. All right. So, uh, two judges. The first judges I want to mention is uh, Judge John Marshall, and he is the guy in charge 
of the Nunez suit against Twitter because there's a <laughs> account about Nunez's cow or something like that, and Nunez is suing it. And for the third time, this judge pretty much had to tell Nunez, no, you can't sue Twitter. That's how stupid <laughs> this guy, for the third time, he's got to tell him, no, no, you, you can't sue Twitter for this. <laughs> he's so stupid. This, that's how, yeah. I mean, it's like beating your head against the wall and for the this third guy, time. I mean, he's trying, point, you know, yeah. Every every case now, I'm and and you know it costs money to file these cases, and so doing is just throwing mm -hmm. money. Like, hey, I know, and that's the and funny thing. Uh, his net worth is probably less than every one of ours. He is a really? broke ass mm -hmm. Republican. He is a broke ass Republican. Okay. So, what's that, Michelle? He keeps losing the cases and has to pay the legal fees. I so know. The last judge. Amazing. Uh, there is a case by the Trump, either administration or the Trump campaign. Uh, Trump campaign, and they are going after Pennsylvania for voting by mail because apparently uh, the Democratic uh, governor uh, Tom Wolf, last year signed a mail-in and uh, absentee system for all elections. Boom! You, you can now. You do not need an excuse as some states require, to vote absentee. It's like Florida. And so apparently this is a bad thing. So the Trump campaign is suing, and uh, a, a, uh, <laughs> a judge, J. Nicholas Ronjohn, has basically told the Trump campaign, all right, present your evidence of fraud, of voter fraud in, in Pennsylvania. Nice. And they... And... and, and <laughs> he had until Friday of last week to present it, and I, I haven't seen any indication that they've done so. So nice. pretty much, uh, nope. And the funny thing, and here's here's what this is what I mean. As good news as that is, what really makes this good news for me is that judge was appointed by Trump. <laughs> oh, that uh, also calls for the laugh. <laughs> So, yes, as, as unfortunate as it is that Trump is, you know, stuffing the courts with his appointees, that does not guarantee that things are going to go his way. Right. He should have had more siblings that, that became judges. Oh, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about his brother, the attorney. So, anyway, go ahead. No, I'm saying I, I, I passed the conk. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, anyway, that, that well, very good. Yeah, some good news. I love hearing about the... the Thank you, Miles, for doing that. Days. I think that's so important that you're able to find these little nuggets and things. I, 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 that's, I, all, all I've been able to do this week is see the, like, silver lining in these dark clouds. Like, the, the fact that they openly admit that they can't win without jacking up the post office you know uh, yep so i i know the post office is scary but don't fret that much it is a huge machine and the people that work there know what's going on and they will work hard to make sure that yeah don't All it's right. a, it's not going to fall apart overnight All they can do I, is I think republicans down. hate the post office because they hate anything that works 
All right. Well, <laughs> we got to, yeah, our music bumper is almost up. We got to go to the break. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. starts in two minutes. Show starts in one minute.
And now, on with the show. <laughs> now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Set your phasers to stun, your summit screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys. With Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. Oh, yeah. We're back. We're back with a vengeance. No, maybe with a vengeance. There we go. That's better. Uh, yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back, Curtis. Parts unknown. <laughs> hey, I just want to tell everybody tonight. I learned something today. Peter Marshall, host of Hollywood Squares, what his given name was Pierre Lecoq. And I'm disappointed to say that no porn star has chosen that name. It's what great. A, what a ripoff. I used to think he was Adam. He and Adam West were the same person as a small, small child. Um, I get that. Very similar. So, <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, uh, Miles is uh, back with us as well. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. And Susan in Studio LR. Boo! Living room. And uh, last but not least, uh, Michelle, uh, we we're, we've got some uh, some fun stuff to talk about with you tonight as well, uh, along the steampunk lines, correct? Actually, or ci- cyberpunk? This is cyberpunk, yeah. Cyberpunk, this cyberpunk. Is, this, yeah, this, this is the other punk. <laughs> Much cooler than steampunk, if you ask me. Cyberpunk is is my bag. I like that. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a pretty pretty crazy world. Um, basically. Uh, hold on a moment, real quick, while I get my notes back up. Oh, no worries, no worries. Yeah, and actually, some of my Jack Kirby stuff is uh, cyberpunk uh, influenced as well, uh, or, or influenced the cyberpunk, I would say. So. Yeah, well, everybody knows a cyberpunk world. I mean, they've been in the movies for decades and decades. I would say almost, you know, I would say over a half century. The idea of cyberpunk or a fictional rule world ruled by corporations or ruled by the man has been that. I mean, even Orson Welles' um, uh, oh, book, Brave you know, New World could be considered could be considered cyberpunk as well. You know, the, the, Blade Runner. Blade Runner was definitely the most recent um, genre-defining uh, genre-defining yeah. movie. Yeah, genre-defining movie. Anybody who's seen Blade Run knows what a cyberpunk world looks like. It's a world yeah. of robots, science fiction, um, androids, uh, cyber uh, cyber implants, um, where the corporations have basically taken over the world, and you either work for the corporations or you are nothing. Pretty much, if you if you don't work for a corporation, you are the bottom dregs of society. You know, mass slums, mass huge buildings with bright neon lights. You know, advertising all sorts of goods. You know, anything to forward the corporate dollar. And 
in the world of cyberpunk, you know, you have like any good role playing game, you have different classes. You know, you have your med techs, which are considered like your healers. They're basically people who work, you know, as medics or physicians or nurses, that sort of thing. You have mm -hmm. your solos, which are basically your warriors. You have your um, rocker boys, which are basically, or, or girls, you know, they're, they're basically the ones that are, um, you know, you, they're, they're, they're like your bards. They can okay. pull off some pretty intensive stunts. And then you also have your, um, oh, I forget the name now. God bless it. I should know, I should remember this name. I never played one. But you have your hackers. Your okay. People that basically can interface with computers and, and, and mechanical equipment and stuff. And um, do things, you know, uh, uh, either, you know, like you can either, you can, you can be part of a corporation doing it. You can be like a... Um, a uh, like a black hat hacker or a white hat hacker working for society or working for your own gain, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and this game was a role playing game. Um, I played it throughout the years, and I've enjoyed several different characters. Um, my favorite characters usually were the med techs. Um, you know, uh, other people like the solos. You know, it, as he said, it's got a character for just about everybody. Yeah, and. You can you can work for the corporations. You can work as your own little private. You can work against the man if you want to. There are rebel groups. And um, with this game, though, it's just, it can be just as intense as D and D because and you know you you can deal with the robotic creatures and ro you know your security systems and you know corporate you know head hunting teams and. And you've got the people who live in the wastes, you know, that are kind of Mad Max-ish. Yeah, wish, yeah. Because you know, not everybody can live in the big, big, huge cities that the corporations <laughs> run. See, I love that what aspect, would... too, of the, the Mad Max-type uh, 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 world. Uh, what were you saying, Curtis? I was just going to ask Michelle, what, what class would you recommend for somebody to come at it with a set of fresh eyes? Like, you know what I mean? To learn about the game as you play it. I would say a solo. Yeah. Because the yeah, solos are basically your fighter, your 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 tank, Combat. or you know, I had a so I had a solo. Her name was Destiny, but she was not a tank. She was a sniper. Okay. And she yeah she she had a a cyber implant in her eye help with help to help with targeting. She had the standard synth weave, which is basically a uh, metal and plastic mesh that's implanted underneath the skin, so you don't have to wear a lot of heavy armor. <laughs> But it could cool. also you could also wear heavy armor with it, um, and you know she was you know she was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed it until it turned out that one of her cybernetic implants was uh, co-opted by the corporation mm -hmm. and controlled her um, movements at certain times, so they, they they could take control of her. But you have to be very careful though in this game about how many cybernetic implants you get because the more cyber you have in your body the mm -hmm. higher of a chance you have of going into something that's called cyber psychosis he's more machine uh. now than man right you lose your empathy you lose your emotion and you can either become a completely corporate or whoever implanted your cyber 
your cyber tech, you can either become completely underneath their control, or you can go insane and become a rampaging killer. Is this why like insane and become a Republican with? I was gonna say, I think this is why Trump's targets are like the (laughs) sixty-five to seventy because they have pacemakers and fake hips and (laughs) like they're more machine than man. It all makes sense now. It does, doesn't it? But um, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up, because in November of this year, although they keeps getting pushed back as they as they try to um, finalize the product a little bit, um, they're coming out with the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, where you get to start off on the streets and work your way into the cyberpunk world. And from what I've seen, the screenshots are absolutely spectacular. I think mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves as part of this, you know, is doing some of the voice acting for this video game. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But no, that, yeah, if you ever want to fall fun. into like, you know, like like a Blade Runner world, here you go. Well, this is right. this is really cool because uh, you know this to me. Well, I used to run a campaign for Gamma World uh, way back in the day with my buddy Scott um, because we didn't have. It's like we we were desperate to play uh, um, role playing games, but no, we didn't really have anybody else to play with. So I was it was like a solo adventure for him, and I was the GM. And we got a couple other people in here and there, but basically this the, his character was. A direct analog of Mad Max, and um, and but we our world had of course mutants, and aliens, and things like that in it too. But it was it was it was a really fun campaign to run. But of course we had a couple snobs we played with. They're like only Dungeons and Dragons. I won't play any kind of future game. It's like you are no fun. But yeah, well, I used, we used to, to play everything. <laughs> yeah, I, me and Scott used to play a lot of stuff. We used to do the, the Gamma World. Uh, I used to run the DC. Um, he always wanted to play Batman, so I ran the, the DC Heroes game for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, we and uh, Villains of Vigilantes, too. That was fun. Here, yeah, here's a little bit better of a description of the types of, of, of characters you can play. You can play your rocker boys, which are rebel rockers who will use music and revolt to fight authority. You have your solos, the hired assassins, bodyguards, killers, and soldiers. Mm -hmm. You have your net runners. These are the ones that that jack into the net and do the hacking and stuff. They're the cybernetic computer hackers. You have your techies, which are your renegade mechanics or doctors. So you have your med tech or you have a repair tech or like a mechanic. You have your medias which are newsmen and reporters who will go to the wall for the truth. You have your cops, which are maximum lawmen on mean streets. Judge Dredd. On mean 21st century streets. You have your corporates. You can can play one of these uh, slick business raiders and multi-millionaires. Or you have your fixers. You have your fixers. Yeah. They're deal makers, smugglers, organizers, and information brokers. And last but not least, your Mad Max types, the nomads, road warriors, nice. and gypsies who roam the highways. Tennessee wants to play. <laughs> Tennessee wants to play. <laughs> Do you want to play, buddy? Tennessee's going to play a cop. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
TSR came out on the edge. Teddy TSR came out with a a version of their of of a of a cyberpunk type game. It was called Shadowrun, but they also include magic. Yeah, Shadowrun was a fun fun one. I I I was in on a short campaign of that at one point. Yeah, so they had like their street samurais and their uh, their their street wizards and shaman, their shamans mages, and your tech mages uh, and ja- cyberjackers. Yep. Hmm. So it was you know, and then you had your mythological races to combine with it too. Yes. And you had elves and ogres and trolls mm-hmm. and you know. I believe. Right, yeah, right now I'm bouncing around an idea for a campaign I'm trying to develop for uh, the combined cyberpunk with battle tech. Nice. I uh, I believe I have a Shadowrun SNES game. Probably I have one that's a, um, a a newer game that um, Britwolf gave me mm-hmm. uh, from his stream. I, I won it off his stream. Nice. It's a so. coincidence. Cyberjacker's my uh, OnlyFans username. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll be here all night. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Ten seconds. It's Ten kind seconds. of funny when this came out, though, because when when the Cyberpunk the role playing game came out, you know there are several different versions of it. The version we used to play is called Twenty Twenty, and we're in Twenty Twenty now, and it's nothing like this game, which is good, but it's getting there, and that's scary. I don't want the corporations to be in control because mm. I can't I, I can't play my med tech. My favorite character was a med tech named Scalpel. That was her. That, that was her code name. That was that was her call sign. Um, her real name was something else. I forget exactly what it was. And she was a woman that was out for herself. She didn't want to be in the coroner's office all you know for all of her life. She wanted to get rich. She wanted to get famous. At, well, she wanted to get rich. She wanted to live in comfort. She didn't want to have to be pulling open dead bodies and 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 you know. So one of her side things was that she would take out cybernetic implants. Um, and uh, resell them. And she had some very interesting interrogation techniques. That's all I will say. Uh, has something to do with a micro scalpel, which is basically a, mono, a monofilament scalpel, which can touch ah. almost anything. And um, they're very good at removing skin layer off layer of layer. And uh, she 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 could uh, usually get um, uh, she could usually interrogate her male. Uh, targets very very well <laughs> let's put that way good god she sounds terrifying i love it michelle throw she the salami on the tall icelandic blonde you know snow white uh, white uh, blonde hair you know the brilliant uh, violet eyes she was gorgeous but she had a personality that was she was in it for herself <laughs> throw, throw the salami on the deli slicer yes yes <laughs> And she usually never had to apply apply the knife. It's usually usually was a threat, and that just that cold beauty and that cold look on her face of no emotion as she was she explained what she was going to do. So, well, there you go. That yeah. So it's a great world. Any any questions? Well, I I just love the notion of of again the the nomadic. Uh, uh, outlier kind of people and and the idea of it, the, to me that's that's like always 
that's always fascinating to me that you have in a world like that because that's actually something I'm toying with with Graveyard Earth is is I, I have like my Mad Max contingent thing I'm working on for my customs and everything, and then I have these super techs that are like alien tech, but then I, I love the idea of of having like some kind of big city that that they could all interact with at some point. Uh, you know, so, so bringing that, that kind of Mad Max world to a Blade Runner world is, is really fascinating. Like, you know, the nomad just decides, all right, I'm going to have to deal with this town one, one way or the other, you know, for something I need or whatever. And, and to me that, that, that's really kind of cool and fascinating. Uh, what are the game mechanics, Michelle? Is this D20 based? This was a dice based system. Um, D20s were not used as much it was mostly like d6s it depends okay. on your skill it's a skill based game so however like the old star wars games where they were d6 based where like say you have a um a skill you you, you train a skill up maybe you have a d10 and a skill depends mm -hmm. on how many levels of that skill you have or how many of those dice you roll and it's an open-ended system Right on. We had somebody that rolled a D12, I think it was, or a D10. He got 10s 10 times in a row. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was playing a rocker boy. And he was set up in front of a corporate sky uh, high rise that we were trying to infiltrate. And he incited the crowd out front into a riot. To assault the building, and that covered our trying to break into the building. Very cool. That is Very pretty cool. cool. So that's some of the best parts of role playing. Period are just the unexpected. You know, uh, th those are the things that make memories that you'll just keep talking about for years. You know, with your players or people interested in the game. Mm -hmm. I remember. At one point, one of the solos, he was a really big, heavy-duty solo, a very big tank, very strong and very tough. He was up on top of a car parking garage, and he was punching through the hoods of cars, grabbing out their engine blocks or whatever these you know, super techie cars had instead of engine blocks, which was the heaviest part of the car, ripping them out and throwing them across the, across <laughs> the alleyway at the, the, the skyscraper that we were assaulting. <laughs> Take that building! <laughs> yeah, and he was punching all from the side of the building. It was it was amazing. Mm. Very cool. Massive destruction. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's a fun game, and I'm looking forward to the, 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 this this uh, video game coming out. I usually don't like playing video games by myself. I like multiplayer games that I can yeah. play with Miles or friends. But sure. This one I've already I have on pre-order because I I love Cyberpunk and I want to see what they're doing with it. And so far, the script and the storyline look absolutely spectacular. And what's and so the, the and so this is this is a game you'll be playing on Steam. Probably yes. Okay. And what what's the full name of it? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I'm gonna have to look up some graphics for that. Yeah, they have a whole web page for it. They have uh, gameplay videos. They have developer, you know, discussion videos. And a little of the, the, the intro storyline, which is pretty cool, too. So, 
Very cool. And yeah, that, uh, okay, I've seen some of this because yeah, I've seen the, the pictures of Keanu Reeves in it. So, uh, that yeah, that looks pretty stunning. I mean, that, that's... I mean, it, yeah, it, there's, there's nothing like having a solo who has a railgun that is, are, is shooting depleted uranium rounds. You know, that's just, like, it just dark. sounds cool. Wow. Not role what yet. an fu! Like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, uh, but no, that, that that looks the the artwork looks gorgeous. This is uh, uh, you know the the digital art uh, that I'm seeing from it. Pretty cool, and it looks like it's going to have a, a a pretty neat soundtrack too, right? Yeah, even the old game book. I'll take some pictures and put them in um, in chat. Even the old game book had some wonderful black and white art in it. It's it just very very neat stuff. So well, it looks like uh, CD Projekt Red and Refused have teamed up to bring Cyberpunk's in-universe band Samurai to life. Um, so they actually made an in-universe band to, to, uh, some collaborative musicians, uh, have, uh, created the in-universe band, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, you need an, you need the Rocker Boys. You need that flavor, because that's something about the the original game that was just pretty amazing. So. Yeah. As an actual Rocker Boy, I want to throw my hat in the (laughs) ring and say that... Thank you very much for <laughs> placing an emphasis on how important we are. Oh, it's cool. You, hey, if you have the power to incite a riot as a distraction, I mean, that gets the police involved, so the police aren't paying attention to you know, what's going on. You may not be as quick to respond to something that's going on in, you know, security-wise in the building. Yes. It's, it's a pretty impressive power. Yeah, to be able to cause mayhem on a large scale, that's very enticing. Yeah. And yeah, that's the yeah. class I'm positive I would select. <laughs> very Sometimes nice. you got to incite mayhem. <laughs> yeah, and, it's true. and you know, if, if, you've got a, if you've got a performing uh gene in your body, that's a good good uh class for you to take. Right on. I'll show you a picture of the nomads. The next the third picture I'm posting is one of the nomads on one of their uh uh their cobbled together speed bikes. These things are our road cutter. They're like a razor. They're thin and powerful looking. Cool. So the Rocker Boys were the yeah the Rocker Boys were the ones I the first one I did with them was Techie the, the Rocker Boys and that's an example of the art that was in the book in the in yeah. the um in in the in the actual game book. So cool. It's not bad art. No, I like it. I like it a lot. So um, but anyway. It is, is speaking of rocker boys. Oh boy. Come time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to go to the break. Um, our featured artist tonight oh. is Jeff Farius. We heard uh, in our time of in, in my time of dying earlier. Going to listen to Tunnel Road next. And I think and we might have- Hmm. Shane even has some comments on his uh, Shadowrun game that he's playing. Oh, nice! Very cool. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I might I have it on good authority. We might have some Red Tape Revolution music coming soon. Ooh! Fingers crossed. On its way. On its way. All right. 
We're going to go to the break. We'll be right back. we got another hot cut from uh, Jeff Farias, Tunnel Road, coming up. Fascinating, but quite impossible. I'm Tim Cormall, host of The Tim Cormall Show. And I'm Joe Santos, a co-host and head mechanic of The Clown Car Garage. Each week, our guests join a roundtable discussion of the political news of the week and peek into the GOP circus tent. And of course, no circus is complete without clowns. And each week, I inspect the clown car to see what obnoxious fumes they have been spreading all around the country. So join us each week. Admission is free, but just one word of caution. If you see the GOP clown car, get out of the way. They're terrible drivers. Hey, Joe, what was that? Uh, I think we just lost another clown car. The Tim Coromel Show, Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. and Tuesdays at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Turn Up the Night on RadioForHumans.com. Boom, boom, shakalaka goes right there. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Has anybody told you how good-looking you are lately? Well, they should. Oh, my good gracious me! Look at that! RadioForHumans.com 
Robin and I will take care of it. Within seconds, the bat rocket explodes into action. Yes. We're back. Geeky gals and guys on the prowl. The 3G5. A wide variety of topics for your listening pleasure tonight. And, yeah, of then, course, Michelle. But now we have to drink. Now we have to drink because of that rocket was mentioned. I know. <laughs> I fortunately have a beer. So, and um, Michelle, welcome back. Miles, hello. Welcome back to you, sir. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. And Cousin Curtis, welcome back, my friend. Oh, man, here's the beer. Tonight's uh, G35 is brought to you by Great Lakes Brewing Company's Oktoberfest. I got myself some. I'm enjoying uh, it. Yes. Also partially sponsored by um, cheap, shitty light beer. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> no, it's and, beer. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, it has alcohol in it. That's what counts. And the Suze is back with us as well. Uh, Suze, you, you, you're going to talk about your entrepreneurial ship, if I said that right. I am. I'm going to talk all about it. And about business. Small business. And, and the pitfalls. And we'll tie it into Mr. Show, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? This is... Uh, just put the link on the, um, on the Radio for Humans chat room site. So what I want to talk about is I'm going public with uh, my eBay store, Voodoo Zombie. So I sent most of you in the chat room and most of you that I'm talking with tonight, I sent you uh, links or likes to the Facebook page, um, which will lead to the eBay page. Um, but I've been... Uh, been selling since maybe February or March, and it's pretty enjoyable. It's it's a way that I'm um, able to, you know, not have to go back to work during a pandemic and um, continue my nomadic lifestyle, my nomadic road <laughs> lifestyle. You mean hermetic? Hermetic, nomadic. Well, I have to go out to find things to sell. You do, you do. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah. So, so basically, you, you're, you've you've created Voodoo Zombie Boutique is the name of your business. Uh, you sell a wide variety of different things, and your auctions will be featured on Facebook now, so uh, the general yeah. public can peruse. And you never know. I mean, and the thing is, Susan sells stuff like for fair prices too. I, we're not trying to sell to any of you guys. Hundred percent. I'm eyeballing these uh, PBR headbands right now for six bucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna jump on that. It's amazing. I just yeah. found that up in my attic. So just found that up in the attic. Well, so. and th this is the thing too. Being uh, somebody who has worked in, uh, you know, me being a lot of my ex work history is working in retail or working at a place that has a retail or working at a place that has free promotional items all the time. <laughs> and, um, and you know, I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you from the music venue, all the things that I got, all the cool things I got to take home, you know, from everywhere from, you know, um, uh, beer glasses to, you know, the PBR headbands, you know, ball caps, uh, t-shirts, CDs, shot glasses, you know, Mardi Gras beans. Sold a PBR uh, uh, hat. 
while yeah. ago. At the beginning. Yeah, we had a trucker, a PBR trucker hat too. So, yeah. um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're. Oh yeah, I should. I forgot about that. Um, we got to get the. the we got to get. You got the gotta sound get, bite? Well, yeah, we got to get F- Frank Booth in here uh, <laughs> real quick. So, uh, what kind of beer do you like? Heineken. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Pabst <laughs> Blue Ribbon. There you go. Uh, Heineken. <laughs> Actually, I put that in the description. I didn't. I put. Um, I put um, Heineken. Blank blank. Blue ribbon in exclamation points in the description. So I mean, I didn't want to put any swear words, but you know, Frank Booth approved. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, no, and this is fun because I mean, you're doing a variety of stuff. You you've been selling a lot of like yeah. a- antique glassware, uh, you know, crazy old ashtrays, uh, yeah. y- you know, all, all kinds of clothing. I kind of had a, a problem because I was like, okay, I'm supposed to pick what kind of stuff I'm selling. And I'm like, oh, I don't know because I'm, I'm putting in T-shirts that I, and I'm putting in toys and records. I'm putting in grassroots. I did some records. I did some comics. So I'm like, oh, shit, I'm all over. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought about I, I couldn't put description stuff I like. So yeah, <laughs> it's been an excuse to go to some really fun estate sales, and I've been enjoying that. And uh, you know, I've been uh, going to some garage sales, and and sometimes you know, in this they they do say put your mask on, keep your mask on, and I like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We but, went out to one of, one of the uh, in the early parts of of the uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, we went to this uh, suburban cul-de-sac. Um, oh God. and we were in, nobody was masked up, but we found some good stuff, but there was this one house, um, and apparently the father had passed away and the daughter and the mother were selling his stuff. And apparently he had been a right wing author who was writing books about, um, and they had stacks of, of his books. Like one was from the seventies and one was from the nineties probably. And it was like the great American gun grab and shit like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, and they, they were giving every customer got a got a copy of the Bill of Rights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so I, th- like, but they your copy of the Bill of Rights. I'm like, oh wow. And but you know, they, it's like yeah. it's one of those things where when you're there, you just like gently nod, but you think to yourself, this is what happens in the suburbs in a cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, like this is scary shit, and they just like yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know, you don't want to admit that you don't have a gun. You know what I mean? Like, well, the scary. cool thing, the cool thing about that auction though is they had all this really cool seventies bicentennial shit, yeah. uh, like window art and stuff like that, like cutouts of the Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. And you know, they had like what was the what was the board game? I bought a a, a, a Constitution board game <laughs> called yeah. like Revolution or something like that. I forget what it was called. Um, or Allegiance. Right over here, we're not selling it, obviously. Well, we're gonna sell it at some point. But no, there's you oh, know Allegiance, it, it, Allegiance, Allegiance. The that's what it is. Constitution game. Yeah, there it is. But it was it was really funny because the uh, you know the it, 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 there was this one guy there. 
and he was blatantly like taking pictures on his phone and doing Google image yeah. searches to see how much it was worth. And it was stuff that they were charging $2 for, a dollar, you know, a $5 coffee pot. Oh, by the way, the, the $5 Corningware coffee maker I bought, um, I was b- going to buy it to have water that I could heat in the garage for my crafting projects. Um, so I didn't have to run in and out with a mug full of microwaved water. Um, and it turns out that, that those things sell for what, 30 or 40 bucks on eBay. Now, yeah, so. yeah, which I gotta, I gotta, I gotta so, put that up. So, yeah. Uh, oh. What's that, Michelle? Never know. I said, oh, well, you lost, yeah. your, you lost your water heater. <laughs> well, I'll just buy, I'll sell that one for quadruple what we paid for it and, uh, and buy a new one for 10 bucks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That yeah. probably has wiring, I trust. <laughs> so, what's that, Curtis? No, I was just laughing. That's funny. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, that wasn't laughing. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's laughing. You got, you just, it just begs the question, was he just laughing like that because he could? Or did, what, did they capture him laughing at something that made him laugh that hard. Mm. You know, the there were people that were pros at it. I I found out later in life, but I, I'm sure you remember back in the 70s, those audiences, they uh, they filmed TV shows in front of, they peppered them with people who were, they had a distinct laugh that would elicit laughter from other people, even if the joke was a dud. Yeah, and yeah. You would I, kinda, I love laugh tracks. You'd kind of recognize those laughs on other shows. Where you're like, oh, there's that person losing their shit. You're like, oh uh, yeah, I I heard that on Sanford and Son last week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we've got some. We've got some nice generic ones. <laughs> right. I was a kid. I was like, I don't know why. I think that. Um, his company is so funny or they're funnier than other shows and i realized it's because it has a laugh track that i thought right. it was really funny you know stanley roper is not that funny there yeah, well, there, yeah. There, there, that that is true but th- there was one and i'm gonna have to try and find it because i think it was on happy days but there was this one laugh track that i would hear over and over and over again and there's a person at the end and they they make the weirdest noise they're like at the end, like every time, <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, what? Why do I keep hearing that? And I kept hearing it on different shows, and I was like, oh my god, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so for some reason that we we got in our brains the the idea of small businesses and struggling, and and uh, we, Susan started talking to me about this classic sketch from Mister Show with Bob and David, of course, Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> And David Cross, and there was a sketch that they did, and I wasn't sure if it would work, but I think it will because it didn't it it, it didn't rely too heavily on visual gags. But there was a sketch, and, and this show goes back to what nineteen ninety seven nineties and. This it's kind of a long sketch, but I think you guys will appreciate it. Basically, this is a, a a sketch. There's two two competing grocery store chains. One is Gibbons, a local family owned uh, store with 15 locations. Uh, 
least it starts out that way. And then the big, speaking of big corporate corporations, Michelle, the the Fairsley's grocery store chain, which has slick uh, slicker produced ads, and they also use some very underhanded tactics to try and drive the Gibbons markets out of business. <laughs> it's 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 pretty dark and sinister. Um, uh, but it is it is pretty funny, and and it just. And uh, now, are you fam- Kurt? Are you familiar with uh, Mr. Show and this sketch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I don't remember this sketch especially. But oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I think you'll remember. It's been it. quite a while, yeah. right? I think everybody's going to get a kick out of this. This is this is funny. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Mr. Gibbons. My grandfather started selling good food to good people back in 1926. Lenny, someday you'll take over for me. <laughs> And I tried hard to keep his dreams alive by selling quality produce at the lowest prices. You know, we may not be as big and fancy as some other stores, but what's so fancy about high prices? Gibbons, the old-timey good place with 15 convenient locations. Sure. Gibbons Markets may save you a dime on select items, but this week at Fairsley Foods, all our produce is 25% off, and you'll never find a rat. Good prices, no rats. That's the Fairsley difference. That's my business model, good prices, no rats. This week at Gibbons Markets, we're having our Harvest Time Red Tag Sale. All red tagged items are 40 cents off. Oh, and just to let you know, we've never had a rat here at Gibbons. <laughs> I don't know what that was in reference to, but uh, if you're looking for savings, look to Gibbons. Gibbons, with 15 convenient locations. This week at Fairsley Foods, pork chops $1.29 a pound, farm fresh eggs $2.15 a dozen, and unlike some places, you'll always find apples. That's the Fairsley difference. We've got apples. We've got apples. Look, we've always had apples. So how is that a difference? It's not. Uh, this week at Gibbons Markets, with any purchase you make, you'll receive an apple for free. Gibbons, now with nine locations. <laughs> <laughs> this week at Fairsley Foods, Circle O's cereal is only $3.49 a box. And at Fairsley, you can shop comfortably, knowing your children will not be abducted, then shipped off to a Pakistani whorehouse, where they'll spend the rest of their lives in homoerotic servitude. Come in with your kids, leave with your kids. That's the Fairsley difference. I love children. I assure you, as a, as a grandfather of five, that no child has ever, ever been taken from a Gibbons market. Ever. But to ease your mind, uh, I've installed a, 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 an extremely expensive, very expensive, state-of-the-art security system in all of our markets. Yeah. Hi, new policy today? Each child is fitted with a tracking collar. It uses radio waves. Come to Gibbons Markets. Squash is on sale. 
<laughs> now with three exclusive locations. Oh. <laughs> Come on down to Ribbons. I love kids. I want your money. <laughs> Some people will say anything to get your business. But at Fairsley, we stand behind our three golden promises. Promise number one, our stores are not constantly on fire. Promise number two, employees are free of active sores and lesions. And promise number three, homeless people do not defecate in our store aisles. That's the Fairsley difference. Fairsley Foods, now with 23 locations to serve you. Just sitting on the back, back of a pickup truck. I the same streets my grandfather started on. Oh, but times were simpler back then, weren't they? Because people had integrity. People were honest with each other. Just like my grandfather was when he. Lenny, you failed me. Well, Grandpa, Fairly Food Live. Oh, shut up. There you go. So there's. Oh, shit. <laughs> we we that's a that's a we we always quote that uh, just, our stores are not constantly on fire. I know. <laughs> like our little private joke, like or we've never seen a rat. Yeah, the fa and that's the Fairsley's difference. <laughs> That's it. So, I but, haven't heard yeah. it in a while, but I yeah. don't know. I'm so, anyway, small business, celebrate. <laughs> small business. Now that Trump is like messing things up and I'm in the post office the minute I need the post office. So, yeah. I'm wondering if uh, he hasn't taken away the, the postal places that I, I just wanted to drop a letter. And I'm wondering if that letter box All the blue boxes. I don't know. No? Yeah. We'll have to find out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that's... Oh, speaking of the mail, uh, Michelle, your care package has been uh, dispatched. Her? It's been well, a long... in the morning, huh? <laughs> What's that? You were putting it together at 4 a.m. in the morning, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I stay up late. I stay up late. Did you... Did you see, was did you see that? Did you tell her that, or did that that when so it said it? Printed? Michelle wakes me up and goes, "Your phone is beeping," and I'm like, Ugh. "Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I didn't know you had Facebook notifications uh, on uh, on your phone." On uh, Miles' phone, yes, they do, and 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 I can hear the the dinging. I don't. Oh, I wow. don't hear it. I, I, I will. I'll be, it's, okay. it's okay. I'll be more mindful. I'll be more mindful. Sorry about that. That's so. a good thing to know, you guys. That's a good thing to know because we do inappropriate things at ridiculous hours of the night. No, I just do I just do things late at night that people do in the morning. Exactly. At 4 there's a very good chance I have woken up at least twice. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I have insomnia, and I will wake up usually around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning anyways, so... So That's anyway, bad timing aside, your care package <laughs> has been dispatched, and there's a bunch of cool stuff in there for Miles, too, uh, for both of you, of course. 
so many Warhammer miniatures. I didn't even look to see exactly what was there, but I finally found the second box that uh, either somebody gave me or I got at a yard sale. I think some are Warhammer 40k. Some of them might just be straight medieval Warhammer. I'm not sure. So, and most of them are still on the sprues, and there is a roguish surprise in there for you, Michelle. Oh, and there's 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 a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff, and uh, yeah. hopefully and you, my elbow will start feeling better enough that I can start holding figs again to paint. But I have mm. not been able to hold a fig in a while. Oh, oh, oh by the way, I, and then my left elbow went out this past week. So oh, that sucks. Um, but uh, it, there is one miniature in there that's uh, part of my talisman collection. I forgot to ship you before, so. Uh, dragon? Yeah. Dragon Rider? Dragon Rider, yeah. Yes. So. I was looking for that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, Suze, could you uh, not hmm. shift? Your, I know you're sorting merchandise right now, but it's very clicky and distracting. Okay. 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 So, so uh, what I was saying is I appreciate you telling us that, Michelle, because you're probably not the only one that wakes up when they get, you know, notifications like that. We shouldn't send things out and print labels at, at dumb o'clock and stupid o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's okay, though. I, I am. I'm already up at that point anyway. Yeah, and, I'm, and I sleep through it, so it's all good. Yeah. Until, until Michelle <laughs> tells me, like, hey, wake up. Someone wants you. And I'm like, what? Huh? And I also <laughs> was, I'm happy to say, I got living in Long Island's care package uh, going out to him, too. He said he needed some chapstick and Reese's cups, and I got that and a whole bunch of other fun shit for him. Uh, but you know, not a whole bunch of shit he's going to have to lug around, but there's a solution to lugging things around in that package too. So there you go. A fun one. That's, that's great. So, uh, but yeah, so, and don't worry, I put a healthy snack in there too, Mr. Reese's cups. Um, so, uh, nothing, not, not like a bowl of quinoa or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, but anyway. So, uh, but Sue, is anything else about you want to mention about Voodoo Zombie Boutique, uh, your eBay store? Yeah. Um, like I said, I put the um, uh, link for Voodoo Zombie Boutique. I think I, I requested or um, I uh, added all of you to like it on Facebook, everyone that's on the show and that was in the chat room. Um, but you can go to the link that I posted in the chat room. Or, um, like, like I said, I've been selling things since March, but I did um, finally just bit the bullet and uh, so I can have a real website for it and, uh, you know, a real link for it. And, yeah, uh, an eBay store. Paying the monthly fee. So an eBay store. Yeah. Before they let me have a name, but now I'm going to be official. So I'm pretty excited and hopefully, it, you know, it's just kind of making a buck on the side. Like, I, I really like watching those reseller um, videos on YouTube and stuff like that for ideas and, and stuff like that. But, you know, trying to trying to get things out and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I, it's, it's my new favorite game on my phone because just got, you know, before the show started, I got listed. I got an, um, a message that something sells. So then I pull it out and get ready to ship out tomorrow. But oh, now we, we I gotta, know not we gotta, to print. Yeah. Now I know not to print labels at four in the morning. Because, you know, I do have a label to print now. 
Stop shaming me over my night illness. It's not cool. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm doing things I, productive. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, we anyway. got a we got a really nice uh, uh, vintage Gillette uh, ra <laughs> razor blade that's kind of blowing up right now too, right? Yeah, it's like thirty bucks or something. I forget what it is. Yeah, it's like check. a metal uh, uh, fat boy. Metal. Is what called? That's it's that's a it's, well that's the thing that's the thing that's addicting mm -hmm. is, is you look something up under what you think it is. Then you find out <laughs> it's called something else. I've been so wrong. And you're like, oh, wow. And then you realize that thing's from 1959. Like this razor, it's adjustable gold tone Gillette. Okay, whatever. I'm looking at other pictures of other ones that have sold. It's like 1959. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll list it as 1959. Bang, well, instant bid on it. I'm like, wow, this is exciting. And what's hysterical is I've never used the thing. It's just something that we got oh. from a family member or something. And I, I, and Susan's like, how do you open it up? So she's like, how do you open it up so I can, you can clean it? And I'm messing with it. And I turn this little dial on the bottom of the handle and it opens up like a magical box. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is cool. Do we really want to sell it? Uh, no. <laughs> so it's, it's up to 30 bucks and it was something that sat in a box before. Yeah. hundred and. 46 views and 10 watchers it's Three insane bids? okay and yeah. then um so we had a friend that came over the other week and he is uh done with his store he's got a store up at wherever i forget whether the flea, yeah, market, that's a flea costs, market but he's yeah he's done with this flea market so he gave me a bunch of stuff ken's like oh those little chairs those little doll chairs those are Major Matt Mason command chairs. I'm like, yeah, what? from a 1960s Mattel toy, and uh, yeah. we got immediately people descended on that for a first bid, and we have like 30 people watching that too, right? Well, I bet well, we have 109 views and 10 watch nine watchers. Oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, it's and, up to 17 yeah. bucks. That's nice for something he just gave me. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, it's up to 17. Yeah. It's up to 17 bucks. Shit. Still got a day and 19 hours yeah. to go, so that's nice. Well, anyway. All right. Well, that's cool. So, look, get, yeah. get on it, entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, but, yeah, we got to we gotta uh, go to the break. And when we come back, oh, my God, we're going to get into the Kirby-verse. Jack Kirby characters. Some of you have probably heard about. I know Livin has heard of all of them. Uh... And, uh, yeah, because Curtis and I just had an impromptu discussion about one of them last night. And he asked, me, he asked me about it, and I was like, Are you, do you mean this guy? And I'm like, and he's like, yeah! And we just started talking about it, and I was like, hey, let's each pick five Kirby characters and crazy Kirby characters and talk about them. So that's what we're going to do in the Hall of Justice. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Anyway. We'll be right back. I'm sure he never watched that show. Jack Kirby did not watch shows with his creations in them. Uh, anyway, we'll be right back.
show starts in three minutes. starts in two minutes. Show starts in one minute. Take a look at that! Now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> Set your phasers to stun, your stomach screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys. With Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. Thank you, Mr. Deep Voice fella. You have such a nice deep voice. Who is it? 
Anyway, welcome back to the show. As promised, we are going to delve into the wild world of Jack Kirby once again. Tag team effort. So, with me and uh, Cousin Curtis, it's going to be very fun. So, welcome back, Curtis. That's right. Got a whole list right here. Some nice. Fresh Jack Kirby picks. Excellent. And, Miles, welcome back to you, sir. Hello, thank you. Thank you. you ready to learn about some Jack Kirby? Sure. Excellent. And Suze, she knows a little bit about what we're talking about tonight from being subjected to me comic collecting our entire uh, marriage. He used to have a game and would give me a book about Marvel and say, open up the book and read any description of any superhero. <laughs> it was like a who's who. I would, it was a who's who. And I would read a description of a superhero and he would tell me oh we got to do that on the show i'll get out the old school who's who dc comics who's who that sounds like fun yeah 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 (laughs) let's do that that's great um (laughs) what's that michelle i said i'm not so great at dc i know a few of them but (laughs) we might still have one of the marvel source books around or something uh you know i could dc yeah. Could do Dungeons and Dragons. I could open the Dungeons and Dragons book. Describe a oh. describe a creature. Describe monsters from the monster manual. Um, the second edition monster manual. I think that's well. That's <laughs> oh, what yeah. I have. I think that's what you know, I have. That and okay, cool. the fiend, fiend folio as well. So and uh, who didn't I welcome back? Uh, Miles. <laughs> No, Michelle, Michelle, welcome yeah, back. Yes. There we go. I, I am track. glad to be here. This has been Excellent. fun. I'm having a blast. Good, good, Yay. good. So, all right. Well, um, I, I say uh, we uh, we do a, a, a die roll to see who uh, talks about their Kirby uh, character first. So, oh. uh, all right. you want That's odds fair. or even? You want odds or even? I'm rolling a D6. I'm going to go with Thod. All right, you are. Oh, of course, it landed on something. Let's try it again. Oh, shit. No, it's on the floor. Ah, it's the number six. Shit, shit. I go first. All right. That's so, Stevens. That's you, man. All right, so let it be known that Jack Kirby was cheated a lot for his creations by first Marvel in the most grandest fashion and then DC in a, in a less uh, lesser fashion. Uh, because Jack Kirby created in a, essentially the entire entirety of the Marvel Universe, in my humble opinion, uh, because, you know, he began with Captain America. And, you know, after Captain America, there was Thor, there was the Fantastic Four, there was the X-Men, there was Iron Man. Uh, you know, there are rumors that he actually uh, helped create Spider-Man, um, and they didn't like his chunky, blocky style form, wanted him to be more, uh, lithe looking and, uh, and he didn't get any credit for that. Uh, but you know, Ant-Man, Wasp, you know, all the Avengers pretty much, uh, you know, and, and he was extremely jaded towards Stanley. Um, I love Stanley. I have fond memories of Stanley. I think Stanley did amazing things with his stories, with these characters, but I truly believe that he hurt his friend and partner, Jack Kirby, and um, <clears throat> and I wish that wasn't the case. But uh, I believe everything that Jack Kirby has to say in his statements 
about this, which largely were reflected in characters that he created for other companies when he would leave one uh, and go to another. So I'm going to be focusing on four characters, uh, four of his from the DC Universe and one from Pacific Comics. And the first one I want to talk about is a direct analog to Stan Lee, a character that started out in uh, the his Mr. Miracle series in the early 70s, uh, a character called Funky Flashman. A direct, a direct analog. Was it called Lee Mander, the Stealer of Universes? Uh, no. Uh, it yeah. That's but there you go. We'll give you the big Chuck and Little John laugh for that. All right, so Funky Flashman was a direct analog to Stan Lee, and he was a con artist, and basically he, he was grifting off of somebody who died. And his partner in crime was somebody called Houseroy, a play on Houseboy. Um, and it was Houseroy because Roy Thomas, essentially, he was calling him his Houseboy. Roy Thomas. And I have a great admiration for Roy Thomas. He wrote some amazing stories uh, he, he basically he was the inheritor of a lot of titles that Stanley used to write. Uh, largely, you know, he he the the Avengers was was really something that he excelled at. His early Adve- Avenger stories were great, Kree Scroll War, War things like that. Um, and <clears throat> also he uh, uh, did uh, you know he got his start when he was like. 15 or something like that, writing like romance comics and working for Charlton Comics. Um, but yeah, so uh, Funky Flashman and House Roy basically were con artists and they were running out of money, so they were trying to rip off Mr. Miracle. They stole his mother box. Uh, if anybody knows anything about the New Gods, the mother box is like a uh, nearly omnipotent device. Um, and uh, yeah, so he wasn't hiding his disdain. And this is a pattern that repeated uh, throughout his history at DC and, and other companies. But yeah, so that's, that's my, uh, that's my, uh, I guess that's number 10 on our list of 10. So who's, who's, who are you going to talk about for number nine, Curtis? I only have five. Cause I, I know, <laughs> I know. So you're, you're so five, you're five, nine, your five right. is nine. My five is nine. Yeah. Uh, when we were picking names out uh, and, and thinking about it for our own child, I, I reverted back to uh, what I loved about uh, Marvel characters were uh, the things like Peter Parker, Reed Richards. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted a name that had Matt that. Murdoch. And we actually didn't end up choosing that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all those things that they, they mean a lot because some of those names just they, they roll off your tongue amazing. Sure. And this character is, and I, I would say this arguably is the most fun comic book character name to say. Can can you just based on that criteria? Can you guess who my number nine is? Oh, oh is, Lois Sil- Lane, Silver Surfer. It is the curious space dragon known as Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang Foom. Oh, he almost made my list. How much fun is that? Isn't that a great thing to say? And uh, 
You never know. Like, they're making comic stuff all the time, so I'd love to see a comic appearance, and the closest we get is an Easter egg that's in uh, the original Iron Man movie. Uh, there's, like, an artwork. Uh, mm-hmm. that it, it, it's an Easter egg in the movie. But other than that, like... Uh, he, he's made several, many appearances. It's not a huge character, but I think we all know who Fin Fang Foom is. And, uh, I, I thought that was terrific. Uh, you know, it, when I was a kid, we just loved uh, drawing, uh, Fin Fang Foom and, and throwing him in different scenarios. You know, what more or less this is the character of could have been. Don't you have a dog named Fin Fang Foom? What? Really? No, yeah. he, she said, why don't you have a dog named Fin Fang Foom? Oh, Boom? why don't you, know you have what? a dog? You're correct. That would be... That would be fun to say. Next, next yeah, dog. Absolutely. Next dog. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, what, a, what, a great, what a great design, though, for, for a character. You oh, know, Fin yeah. Fang Foom. And, and, you know, and you just got to love the fact that basically he created his own kind of sentient Godzilla almost, you know? Yeah. Well, Godzilla sentient or speaking oh. speaking Godzilla, I should say. Yeah, Fin Fang Foom is a, is a it's a dragon. That, uh, it's a good guy dragon. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's okay. been play, Yeah, he's 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 not a cut and dry villain. That's for sure. For certain, right? So, oh, okay. Throw him in with maybe Magneto, kind of um, misunderstood. Oh. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, uh, my, my next one, uh, this one doesn't really go, uh, th- this one deviates a little bit from the, the jaded aspect of it, but, um, uh, of, of Jack Kirby, but this character, uh, debuted in, uh, Boy Commandos for DC Comics, uh, back, um, I think in the fifties, I think 1959, something like that. Um, but this is a character by the name of Crazy Quilt. What a goofy name. What a goofy costume. Basically, he has, like, uh, you know, it, he started off, you know, and, and if you find the old boy commandos, it's definitely, like, the old, it's the Captain America Kirby-looking art. Uh, you know, the right. before he got into that dynamism that he... Uh, evolved into by the late 60s, you know, and, and solidified in the 70s. Um, but uh, he started off as this, uh, he was like an artist uh, who uh, w- was, he got shot, lost his sight, but then he was given uh, this, like, optical implant helmet thing that allowed him to see again, but the colors were so intense and so bright, they drove him crazy. Um, uh, cyber, cyber psychosis. Yeah, well, there you go. See, <laughs> tying right into that. And uh, and what he would do is he would uh, he would create art and leave clues about his crimes and have his lackeys like uh, take them, you know, and distribute them. The character uh, later, uh, like I said, it started with Boy Commandos, which was a fun, goofy comic. Uh, you know, you, you gotta love that that kind of Kirby stuff. Um, but um, the character ended up becoming a Batman villain, which is interesting in and of itself because it, there was no relationship to Batman at that point, other than he was in DC Comics as well. And uh, and there have been different iterations of him. He showed up in a lot of different animation and everything, but. 
Um, I think the last bit of money he ever made for uh, that character probably was doing an illustration for the DC Who's Who in the 80s. Um, uh, you know, but yeah, that character basically was yet another one he lost to big corporate interests. So, uh, there you go. Crazy quilt. Go do a, go do a goo goo church on him. It's pretty amazing. So, uh, but it's, it's like he has like rainbow camouflage on his, on his costume almost. So, uh, all right, Curtis, who's next on your list? DC did it before Marvel, but they would they would blend the, those characters of uh, legend into their their comic stories, and by doing so, they kind of had to create a mythology around them as well to give them a connection to the other characters and create stories. And one of my favorites is definitely Jack Kirby's Etrigan the Demon. Oh um, yes, tied to Jason yeah. Blood. Uh, and the funny thing is, it, Jack Kirby wanted nothing to do with horror characters or horror comics and stuff like that. So they kind of made him came up with Etrigan. And he was like, okay, I'll throw it out there. And But he honestly thought it would flop. And so when the first issue of The Demon succeeded and he had to create 15 more subsequent issues of it, he was more a little disappointed. He was like, ah, no, no, I'm... <laughs> tied to this thing and i have to do it but which makes it funny because I mean, it's such a beloved character like we we love that character because he's kind of i don't know if he's an anti-hero but he's definitely one of those characters that is outside the realm of like here this is the good guy and this is the bad guy and yeah this is it's kind of like in the middle their answer you know? to go yeah ghost Kind of their answer to Ghost Rider, almost. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, it, I, I just think it's it's an extraordinary character, and it, it it's made even more extraordinary by the fact that it's kind of a like oh okay all right I'll kind of come up with this, but he created something wholly new. I think. Uh, well, you know, and point what's to character that's like Etrigan? Well, and the most important thing about Etrigan. Uh, uh, it, to me, that it makes him stand apart from any other character in the comics is all of his dialogue rhymes. He speaks in <laughs> yeah. he speaks in poems. Uh, huh. Yeah, so that that to me was like I always loved reading those books because it's like he's writing poetry for dialogue. It might not be like you know the the you know Shakespearean poetry or anything like that. But right. it, it definitely leans into that kind of territory. Uh, and, and you know, and, and he would, the, the font that he would use, the hand-drawn font he would use uh, for him, yeah. too, was stunning. And it, the, he'd have the jagged speech bubbles with the thick black outline and the yellow, uh, you know, yellow field with the black text on it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that, that those are just fun reads in and of itself. To see how Kirby and he probably was kicking himself that he made him rhyme. Yeah, oh, and, oh, and, the, and the book didn't you know. flop, and he's probably like, oh, "Okay, what rhymes with uh, head?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's before you could just like Google shit. You know what I mean? He had to mm -hmm. literally scratch that out month after sure. month. Sure, but well, I'm, I'm so grateful that he did. 
Maybe grab a thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, and a rhyming dictionary right. too. They made those, so they still do. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, so no great character, great character. So uh, I guess we'll do one more, and then we'll save the other five for after the break. Um, and uh, unless you have any other thoughts on the demon and Jason Blood. No, not me. And by the way, I have the entire Kirby run of that, of uh, New Gods, of Mr. Miracle, uh, and wow. the and uh, I think I'm going to talk about, uh, yeah, because I think I have the entire Kirby run of this one, too. OMAC, the one-man army corps. And uh, OMAC is kind of cyberpunk. Uh, before cyberpunk was, you know, had a, had a label on it, but, uh, it's, it, this is an idea. Again, this is something that he wanted to do at Marvel had they not treated him so piss poor, but OMAC is essentially Captain America with a Mohawk uh, that wears orange, blue, and yellow. <laughs> um, and OMAC is, uh, I actually featured one of the covers from a uh, number, I can't read the number that it's too small. It's one, it's, it's a single digit number, maybe number six or something. Um, but the cover of it uh, says, uh, in the era of the super rich, Mr. Big can rent a city for assassination. So how crazy is it? The super rich, that wasn't even a term in the seventies, was it? <laughs> Right. I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, so Omac essentially is he was uh, the, was his name Buddy Blank? Uh, yeah, I think his, his, his. So there you go, your comic book name, Buddy Blank, um, was <laughs> uh, kind of like a Steve Rogers guy who was a you know kind of a little weakling, and uh, got this experimental. Um, uh, 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 I think it's some kind of like cybernetic implant, and he was connected to a, a satellite that gave him powers called Brother Eye. So wherever he went, it, Brother Eye could maintain contact, and that was also, you know, a plot device too. That if somehow he lost contact with Brother Eye, he lost his powers. I believe is how that worked out. Um, uh. And uh, and and essentially what in the future because the world has been taken over by corporations um the the world's been taken over by corporations and uh it is too dangerous for full armies to operate in in this kind of future because they're you know again it's just like sprawling mega cities things like that you know the idea that you know the the kind of judge dread kind of uh adopted a similar thing um but uh you know again this is early 70s when this came out uh 20 cent cover price on the one i'm looking at and uh and essentially yeah this was an idea he wanted to explore for marvel with captain america in the future so he's like all right i changed it up this is omac one man army corps and uh and some of the early stories for this were just wild there was like there's one um where there's this company that's building like compa- uh, companion androids and the disturbing visuals for it are just insane where the the body parts come like all dangling out of this cube when you, you, you when it gets shipped to you and then it assembles itself and it turns out that these androids were actually uh they weren't companions at all but they were assassins um, 
Uh, so, you know, there, there's, uh, assassin droids and the story, the story for it, it, it's, it's really fun. There's some decent humor in it too, as all Kirby stuff. And there's really profound stuff as well, but this is like kind of a screaming action book, which is fun that it's, it's not, you know, not a lot of space based stuff outside of, uh, brother, Eye just orbiting the earth. Um, it kind of happens in, um, uh, uh, an undisclosed uh, future where, but it still takes place within the DC universe. They've tried to place it in a timeline. Grant Morrison did some real justice by uh, Jack Kirby by trying to tie tie in OMAC with other futuristic titles he did for DC, and uh, which uh, I'll, I'm not going to spoil the one, but I'll I'll talk about it after after the break. Uh, but yeah, Omac, One Man Army Corps. The, what a what a glorious design for that character. And again, if you just want like a, scr- a crazy screaming futuristic action book, um, you, you can't go wrong picking up a trade paperback of this. Um, and yeah, and just keep in mind, this is what he would have done with Captain America if he could at Marvel, which I find fascinating. I love the idea that he did not let ideas go. Uh, and I'll have more on that after the break as well. So, uh, yeah, any, any thoughts or questions, uh, before we go to the break? Nope. Sounds good. Oh, they do sound good. All right, cool. So, uh. I'm learning things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're truly, truly just a wonderful, wonderful world, uh, worlds that he created. And I'm going to tell you about how more of the worlds were even great, even more connected. Because he was like, you know what? These are my ideas. I'm not letting them go. That's just what he damn well did. So anyway, uh, here we go. Break time. We're going to come back. Curtis and I are going to talk about another five wild and crazy Kirby connections. All the months of preparation (laughs) now come to fruition. song about a weapon that can kill spirits. It's called Ghost Gun.
there. Don't miss Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Radio for Humans. Radioforhumans.com Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast, and you can hear our show Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Radio for Humans. Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here. Really? Yes, it's just that simple. Listen to the Bradcast every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Radio for Humans. Please visit RadioForHumans.com and Bradblog.com. Let it all hang out. Oh, wow. That, to me, is extremely exciting. Hey, everybody. Kenny Pick coming at you on RadioForHumans.com. This goes against every rule of broadcast journalism I know. Don't change that dial. Find Radio for Humans on TuneIn. I used to be number one in this town, but people don't listen to AM like they used to. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. That's stupid. It sure is. And be sure to visit RadioForHumans.com for more information. This is the Internet. That was actually me laughing that Susan was unmuted and, and burped. <laughs> and was it? Did I do that? Yeah, you, you you were you were unmuted the entire break. It was cute. Yeah. Anyway. Just a bit. Oh. I, I assume there was some cat shenanigans going on, too. Oh, Christ. Oh, what? <laughs> Thanks, Tennessee. He charged it July's a rose, and I had to stop him, so. Yeah, she's. She's a little nervous. Yeah. And anyway, welcome back, Susan. My poor baby girl. And of course, welcome back, Curtis, as well. How are we doing out there, people? Oh, yeah. You still hanging with us here? Oh yeah. And Michelle, welcome back to you. And Miles, hello. Hey. All right. So uh, I left off with Omac. Uh, so Curtis. Who is next on your Jack Kirby list? I thought of this last night, and I got into a, a, a laughing fit to where I choked myself because I, I, I'm easily amused. But uh, <laughs> number three. <laughs> and I kind of think it's a mistake. Like, it may be not. My imagining is that this character who was and still is portrayed as this uh, above-the-fray, non-interventionalist viewer of things. It's a Watu is my pick. Oh, nice. Yeah. How extraordinary. What a radical notion to create a character in these stories uh, 
that is forced to watch the shenanigans of our little blue marble earth and not end up like Lewis Black. Like, I would much rather end up like, I would much rather see the character turn into Lewis Black. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And for anybody, anytime any one of the characters in the universe had to interact with a Watu, he's like, hey, look, like, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Like, I'm not, I, I can't do anything about it, but I'll. You know what I mean? It would be much better to have like a, I, I, I'm tied up here to this fate. I have to sit here and watch this happen over and over again. Like, because I, <laughs> I think that's who you would end up becoming if you were a Watu. But, you know, they gave him uh, this sort of all knowing wise, like, yeah, it's better off. I don't, I don't intervene. Like, I'm just going to record all this. Like, this is all happening. I can't do a thing about it. You know, I'd be curious. Uh, do you know what year the Watcher Uatu was created? Uh, poop. I, I did when I I started looking things up about it because I I I just I was a big fan of the What If series. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I came to know that's who Uatu is. Uh, 1963. But, uh, yeah, I, I 1963. Is it 63? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's yeah. pretty heady stuff for 1963. I think that's so ahead of the curve and just it, 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 the inception of that character. What uh, an extraordinary entry into the fantastic uh, world of comic books, for sure. Yeah. And, I, uh, you know, go, go. <laughs> I always called him the Watcher. <laughs> yeah. Uatu the Watcher. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and it begs the question, do you think that design might have been um, possibly a bit of visual inspiration for the Star Child from 2001 A Space Odyssey? I hope so, yeah. That makes 100% sense. Because he kind of does look like, you know, he's got that giant head, you know, kind of looks like a big baby head, you know? Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, uh, I, I I wonder if that you know, and how weird would that be? Then that Kirby went on to do the two thousand one comic book series that we talked about, and he was drawing the Star oh. Child. You know, I hadn't even considered that. That that's crazy. Yeah. No, so, I get that, Kenny. That you know, it, it could be you know, because that's why I was thinking, you know, but the 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 Sentinel. Was the, the 50, 1951 short story that 2001 was based on, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, uh, and then it was, uh, I, I'm assuming it was novelized after the fact. Um, but uh, I, I just wonder, you know, I, that's another fascinating history. If it's based on a short story, what is, you know, uh, what's the history of, of it being rewritten uh, into a novel? You know, how does that come into play? Um, yeah. so, so yeah, that, you know, there, but there could, you know, it's, it might be a tenuous connection to, to Kirby, but, uh, possibly a connection nonetheless. Um, so, all right. Very good. Good pick. I like that you're, you're getting into the weird you're, you're doing, uh, uh, and getting some Marvel in there too, which is important. Yeah. I'm trying um, to do an even balance. It, it was hard narrowing this down to five but i i wanted to try to pick from each for sure yeah i i lean pretty heavy into the dc um and uh, my last dc pick is uh commandy 
Now, Commandy, if anybody doesn't know, Commandy is the last boy on Earth. This is a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, Again, uh, uh, there were loose ties to the OMAC series, uh, but the uh, Commandy has shades of uh, Planet of the Apes uh, in it, Omega Man, things like that. It definitely was a product of the time. of a what a post-apocalyptic you know sentient animal kind of thing would take place but uh but commandy uh, he was the last boy on earth uh his grandfather took care of him and then he was killed by oh god he got attacked by an animal i forget what it was um but uh a wolf that was right uh and uh commandy was named after a bunker called command d uh, so his name is a corruption of this of this military bunker, and uh, the the story takes place after the great disaster, uh, and the commandy had access to like videos and microfilm and things like that, and he knows a lot about the pre disaster world, and this takes place again in the actual DC universe. They've tried to, you know, kind of shuffle him off to his own version of Earth, whatever. But Superman exists in in this universe uh, as well as everybody else. If Superman's there, then everybody else is there. And uh, and obviously, it takes place before the rebuilding of society. That I guess would be the like the Legion of Superheroes, things like that. Um, but Commandy is full of all kinds of crazy. Uh, mutant animals. Uh, there, there's apes. There's tigers. There's, uh, I mean, there's. I, I think there's like muskrats. Like every everything you could <laughs> conceive of. There, there. Cue the Captain and Neil song. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. No. I hate that song. Yeah, rodents of the. It's fucking awful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. And and some of the factions, some of the you know, some of these animals are are you know more friendly to Commandy. Uh, some of them are more hostile. And there are it, it, you discover throughout the series there are humans that are other humans who are still left alive in underground bunkers and things like that. Um, but the the what's interesting too is the Great Disaster. It was caused by a, a, a radiation. But Kirby insisted that it was not nuclear war, but he never fully explained it. Other writers tried to, uh, but for a Kirby enthusiast like me, it's never going to be satisfactory what another writer tries to to do with Kirby um, in changing his story or adding two ideas. Um, And again, that's really part of the sad legacy of Kirby in all of these comics is there were so many unresolved ideas, especially with Commandy and the New Gods, um, uh, you know, because he did sort of write, he wrote The Hunger Dogs, which was kind of an acceptable ending to the New Gods, but for my last pick, I'll show you how it wasn't. Um, but that's, right. yeah, so that's it, Commandy, great series, and I, I, I like to think that Commandy was actually probably a big inspiration for TSR's Gamma World as well. Uh, you know, uh, because it had mutant animals like crazy in that yeah. game. Yeah. So, uh, and they did that whole thing where the, the, the history was corrupted and things were named improperly and, you know, uh, uh, um, 
you know, because if you're if anybody's ever seen the maps from um, from Gamma World, like cities have like you know corrupted names because the history uh, uh, wasn't accurate. Whatever. So that's it. Commandy, check it out. It's a fun read. Well, all right. What do you, who's next on your list, uh, Curtis? Here we go. At number two, coming in hot. And it, it's such a, a left field inspired choice uh, for me because mm-hmm. I love these style of comic characters. And then uh, recently discovering that the it was the what they model these things after is kind of important and the root inspiration for my pick uh granny goodness oh do you know do you know who inspired this it's phyllis diller (laughs) how amazing favorites like it made me love this because I grew up watching reruns of the Bugaloos. I don't know if you remember that uh, crazy oh, uh, yeah. about the fairies, and she was this fucking awful villain on the show. And I was like, Grand "Oh my god, that makes everywhere. so much sense." I love Granny Goodness. She is just it, it, mean as shit, woman. Like, I, I don't know that anybody could bring that to the screen better than Phyllis Diller could have. Uh, but I, I, I hope that someday I know she's, uh, I, I think the, uh, uh, what's the name of the JLA, uh, cartoon, God, justice league, uh, unlimited. Yeah. Justice league unlimited. Uh, she had appeared on there, but uh, you know, and, 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 and well enough, but now knowing that I'm like, Oh my God, it, it makes so much sense. Didn't Ed Asner do her voice? I think so. <laughs> so it, it, <clears throat> just such an incredible, powerful uh, uh, character in uh, this comic series that I, I just think that uh, what an inspired and extraordinary character and it, totally a Jack Kirby character. Oh, yeah. Granny Goodness and the Female Furies uh, just absolutely totally inspired of course big barda mr miracle's wife was one of the female furies but she uh, went off the reservation and uh uh i'm sorry yeah. i shouldn't use that term uh she 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 she's going rogue um she went rogue. and yeah. uh and became a hero was a, a great character uh she and uh, her uh, she and orion actually were on grant morrison's uh jla uh for a spell and he had again grant morrison has done real justice to a lot of Jack Kirby characters and understood the characters and didn't try to change them to fit what he was doing. He amplified what Kirby did with them, which is really inspiring. So, so yeah, but granted goodness, great, great pick there. Yeah. Greg Morrison. We're not worthy. He's a God. <laughs> I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Going back to one of your other characters, when you were talking about Erebus, I think I remember why I recognized the name. Wasn't he a demon that was tied to like a knight or something? Etrigan? Or some, some, yeah, Etrigan. Etrigan. Yeah, Jason Blood. Right. Yeah. Right. And, You're correct. And yeah. he was like, a, it was a, a knight. I think I saw a Justice, one of the Justice League cartoons, I don't remember which one, but one of the newer ones where they were up against Morgana Le Fay. 
and he yeah. was in that one. That's yeah, Ed Begin is uh, Morgan Le Fay's son, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. But, but he was actually siding with the good guys on that one for some reason. Well, and and Morgan Le Fay was the main, uh, pretty much the main antagonist in that book, wasn't she? Yeah. So absolutely. Not, she was not a girl. <laughs> Say it again. Not a nice girl. Not a nice girl, but I heard she's fun at parties. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So my last one. Uh, I want to say. I just want to say one yeah. thing. Sure. Bugaloos, the bugaloos. They're in the air and everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. flying high. And high. Yeah, yeah she remembers. It's amazing. Like a summer breeze. <laughs> Very nice. That'll be stuck in my head for the next two days. Good. Good. Love that. I'm glad I can help. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right. I, I this was one that I this was one of the first comics uh, I picked up as a serious collector as uh, a young guy. I was probably uh, thirteen or fourteen when I picked it up, and I, it was it was at my first comic show. It was at a mall. There was you know people selling comics, and it was a new book. It was put out by Pacific Comics, which uh, was a short, short-lived uh, uh, comic uh, company in the '80s that gave Jack Kirby full creative control and let him keep all of the money for his characters. He retained, you know, the rights to all of his intellectual property and everything. And this was a magnificent book. It was Kirby doing what he loves to do the best huge sprawling galactic it was it was captain victory and the galactic rangers and the, it was uh about this spacefaring guy who was fighting off this you know impending evil alien force that was making its way towards earth um who did not know who he was he did not know who his family was he didn't know his father he knew who his grandfather was his grandfather was only shown in shadows Okay. And his grandfather was called uh oh oh what was his name? Um Black Mass. It was Dark Side. It, it was Dark Side. Uh, um okay. he never showed the character because he knew he would get sued. Okay. This, uh, the, yeah, the in, in, insectons were finding, were, were, they found, found Earth, and the, the series was about essentially uh, quoting from an article here about existential despair and death. <laughs> and, um, uh, his origin is what happened after Jack Kirby's run on the New Gods for DC that he was never able to fully flesh out. And it is one story. I think it lasted 12 issues and there was one special. Um, and it's still a reasonably inexpensive comic to find single issues of. I think they've been collected at, at, at some point. But what is stunning is uh, there is one visual, and I put the graphic in our show art that's over on uh, Facebook. There's one image uh, that might look familiar if anybody is familiar with Orion of the New Gods. 
he is flying around space in a harness that looks pretty damn much exactly like Orion's space harness that he flew around in. Uh, he discovers that he does not know his father's name, and his father is from another universe. And his father was Orion from the New Gods, who was the son of Darkseid. Oh, wow. So, and in, in, in the end, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of about, you know, it starts off as, you know, kind of being the failures of mankind, but then it's about kind of triumph of the will. It's really kind of a, a magnificent uh, story. And the humor and the dialogue and the artwork, uh, all, uh, you know, just over the top and glorious. Uh, again, Kirby doing what Kirby did. And again, he's like, you know what? There, and there's even a scene in, in the one uh, issue I remember where, I mean, he goes on this, like, his face changes. Because Orion, if anybody knows Orion, Orion basically had like a normal kind of human face and then he would like grow this monster face and try and control his rage. He was kind of like, you know, a little hulkish in that sense. Um and uh but yeah, so he uh uh he he just kind of said fuck you to DC. I'm writing the story about Orion's son that I never got to write when I worked for you. And he even did it so cleverly to say he didn't know his father's name, and he was from another universe. But you know, but but like I said, and then and then of course there was also a but scene where that universe is called DC. Yeah, exactly. So and way to do it. yeah, and fortunately DC has never gotten their mitts onto this stuff. And but other comic publishers, I think Dynamite Comics uh, did a Kirbyverse series, and he did another series for uh, I'll give honorable mention to uh, Silver Star. Uh, which I bought that comic at that same show as a kid uh, as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and I think uh, Topps Comics did uh, Kirby. They actually did the Kirbyverse in the 90s uh, in that it flopped so hard, and that sucked because I was excited about that, you know, because he was kind of trying to get in on the the smaller company stuff when Image took off and everything like that. But he was so disrespected by people, and, and his art was, you know, people turned their nose up at Jack Kirby's art a lot, including myself when I was a very young child. I didn't get it. It didn't speak to me. I wanted to see things drawn exactly like I'd see him. I wanted to see Kurt Swan, Superman, that looked, you know, flawless, thin lines, perfect, you know, uh, uh, accurate, you know, I wanted, I wanted accurate visual represent representations of anatomy. Jack Kirby didn't do that. He was dynamic and he, pl he played with it and it was fun. And, and a lot of people, it was a turnoff for a lot of people. And I can understand how it's a turnoff for a child. But as I, I matured, I was like, there's so much good stuff that he's doing here that everybody is stealing <laughs> you know and um and and yeah it's just a i don't know a, you know a, a, i i really think captain victory is a beautiful testament to all the work that he'd done for other companies and again showing that tradition of him like saying you know what still my shit i still have stories to tell i'm gonna do it with omac i'm gonna do it with captain victory i'm gonna do it wherever i possibly can and i'm gonna give a middle finger to uh stan lee with Funky Flash Man and you know everything else, so it's it's just 
to me, that is the mark of a true artist who is not afraid to let their feelings be known in their art, right? Yes. 100%. So, yep. all right. So I guess we, we should probably uh, we probably need a drum roll. Uh, let me get out my ski poles. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, here we go. So, uh, Curtis, uh, this is the, this is the one that started the whole conversation. Here it comes. Coming in hot at number one on my list is, this is so crazy. Like it's 1971. So we kind of haphazardly mentioned uh, at some point in talking about superheroes, there was this glut of, all right, well, we're going to start creating black superheroes. So almost all of them had to have like, we're black Goliath and I'm black Panther. And it, it, it's amazing that they created Luke Cage and he wasn't like, I'm black man. Like, yeah, <laughs> they just kept creating characters like that. So I, I, I would love to have seen like some meeting with, uh, you know, uh, DC and 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 uh, black uh, comic uh, fans back then it was like, okay, we're getting another black superhero, awesome, and he will literally have powers that rival Superman's. Wait, what? Are you serious? Oh yeah, he is super strong. He can phase through objects. He has supercharged brain activity. Like the list of powers in this character just keeps going. He he can time manipulate. He has electrokinesis. He's uh, intangibility. If he touches you, you fucking die. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Amazing. What? Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Oh yeah, he's he's going to be uh, a Vietnam vet. Okay, and uh, when Darkseid brought the uh, War of the God's the earth. It, it was his responsibility to take on the role to be the one who collects the new gods at their moment of death and takes them to Hades. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Are you, are you guys ready for this? He's going to fly around on skis. Wait, no. What? Like fucking skis? Yeah. Are you ready? Here comes Black Racer. No, no. What? Are you shitting me? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be awesome. And so it kind of is. Like, I, I think this character, uh, there were, you know, many mentions over the years and appearances. And although it does seem kind of, it seems kind of goofy, but I, I love it. Uh, you look at the original clunky design of this character and it's just goofy as shit like a guy flying around on skis uh that is literally almost omnipotent uh, practically yeah but his appearances in comics over the years have really had an impact like and he's even uh, there have been many treatments of uh what he looks like and uh in grant grant morrison himself uh he would appear, you know, as a wheelchair user, which really isn't the purvey of I got a soft spot for my handicapped superheroes like Matt Murdock. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, and uh, in uh, the crossover between DC and Marvel, he came to harvest uh, steel like uh, one of the 
uh, you don't fucking watch the Shaquille O'Neal movie, but uh, no. it, it, it's one of those DC characters. Uh, John he Henry Irons. His, yeah, he came to collect John Henry, but Superman talked him out of it. Um, there, there's just there's a lot of uh, of terrific appearances of this character. So I, I I think it's extraordinary that Jack Kirby had come up with it for sure. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and honestly too, I think that Black Racer is kind of him saying, you know what, I'm bringing Silver Surfer over to DC too. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, kind of because yeah. he, he he sort of you know uh, as Silver Surfer was the harbinger of death uh, for for the impending arrival of Galactus. Um, yeah. uh, Black yeah. Black Razor was kind of the herald of death for Darkseid for the new guys. I was, ex- expressing. I was just thinking that I think I was thinking is is that any sillier than a metallic uh, silver character on a surfboard you know yeah yeah seriously but no that that was a great that was a a great conversation starter uh with with him because you you just messaged me so do you know about black racer and i'm like are you talking about the new god (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and and we just started we just started uh, talking it's like all right let's make a let's make a kirby sec uh segment then so very good, great list. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think this is something we can do again. But I'm telling you what, we're gonna have trivia challenge. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> dig out my Who's Who comics, and Susan will uh, will challenge us uh, on on those. And if if somebody can get, we'll we'll get out the monster manuals and stuff as well. Uh, and, um, and 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 you know, do some challenges here on the show. That'll be fun. Uh, real quick from Theo, he says, "Hey Kenny, the Sentinel was uh, written by Arthur C. Clarke originally for a 1948 BBC Radio Christmas Time competition. It didn't win or place, and Doctor Clarke would never find out um, what did win. But it became uh, so much part of his canon that when he and Stanley Kubrick were hashing out the plot lines uh, for 2001, the Sentinel was a natural jumping-off point." So that is, uh, there's a little a back history that for that. So there we go. Thank you, Theo. Yeah, he is yeah. a he is a a and has an encyclopedic knowledge of science fiction uh, writers. So uh, th- invaluable to have on our side here. So, um, but I'm sure he probably doesn't know much about Orson Scott Card though. So, and I appreciate that. So. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, all right, we got to do parting shots. So, uh, Suze, what do you got? Hey, uh, thanks for listening to me. Um, go to New Zombie on uh, on uh, Facebook and eBay and like my shop or you know check out my sales. But I think that uh, next week we should uh, roll a ten sided dice. See who goes first. All right. I love that idea. Yeah. Like I could be one, two, and it could be three, four. Sure. Could be, yeah. So that's, that's my newest idea, but um, that's what I got. All right. Very good. Uh, all right. Miles, what do you got? Um, I'm good. I, I don't, nothing's coming to mind immediately. So, I mean, it's just. Hang tight. Don't worry too much about the post office. Yes, be aware. Vote early. 
you know, vote by mail. Be safe. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and uh, Curtis, why don't you go next? Well, I tell you what. Again, I want to point out that the Republicans acknowledging if they let more people vote, they'll lose. Uh, it's like a horror movie where they cut the phone line to prevent you from calling for help. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're trapped in this. The calls are coming from within the house. It, it, it's horrible, but I, I, I feel like we've been given a glimmer of hope this week, and I'll, I'll take it. And thank you again, Miles, for seeking out those stories. Uh, that embolden us and make us feel like our efforts aren't wasted and that there, there is some good in this world. Sure. Thank you. All right. And Michelle, what do you have? I have a teaser for next week. Now, that means I cannot be in the rolling segment. I have to be, I have to actually have a segment set so I can tell our special guest. Mima, the geeky granny, the Twitch sensation, the grandmother that started streaming so she could spend more time with her grandson. Oh, we is get she to talk to her. Oh, she's going to be on with us? Yes, but we have to decide what time it is. So I cannot tell you what time, but you have to. Well, you just so. find out what time she wants and we'll we'll uh, we'll gladly oblige. Okay, we will talk about that. So. Later. But Very I want cool. to let everybody know she's a great person, wonderful personality. She streams as a kitty cat, and she is amazing. Awesome. <laughs> we approve. We approve of the kitty cats, except Tennessee. You jerk. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, anyway, no, that's very exciting. Yeah, we'll hash out the details for that. Uh, we do have to get going. Uh, I want to say, hey, if you can, but you know, uh, mail care packages. It, it feels good for you and the person who gets them. And uh, you know, maybe not at four in the morning, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see everybody next Sunday. Good night, everybody. Good night. All that you knew is gone. The end of the world, perhaps. Even worse. Game over, man. Game over. Fasten all seatbelts. Seal all entrances and exits. Close all shops in the mall. Cancel the three-ring circus. Secure all animals in the zoo. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Five. Get out!